Moto One Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Riding, the motorcycle podcast that brings you two-wheel topics from around the globe. Tonight's show is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, go to www.patreon.com forward slash creative writing to find out more. Now, to our regularly scheduled show, show, show. Welcome back to another fabulous episode of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast, coming to you every Friday from sunny Southern California, a.k.a. Coolsville, baby. Daddy-o. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, hey, we have a wonderful episode coming up for you this week. Uh, I'm Junk, your host, and I'd like to welcome you back to another fabulous episode of Creative Writing and uh, a couple announcements. This weekend, there was a ramming speed classic track day scheduled for uh, the streets of Willow, I believe. They are going to cancel it. Uh, last week, it rained like crazy all weekend. Uh, I'm not 100% sure if the David Mann Chopper Fest got rained out, but I can tell you that uh, the the weekend, uh, starting as early, I think, as Thursday, like half the week, it was uh, really wet and rainy here in SoCal. Uh, didn't dip down, didn't, didn't snow, the temps didn't get crazy, but we had some rain, so we can commiserate with some of you people. Uh, some of you people, not everybody in the bomb cyclone area, not the people with the wildfires over in Australia, all that crazy stuff. And, uh, definitely not the folks, uh, harmed by the volcano in New Zealand. Our heart goes out to everybody in bad weather and, uh, bad natural disaster areas. However, um, the only natural disaster we're going to have this weekend is the uh, classic track day getting canceled. Uh, Brady's doing the right thing. He doesn't want uh, some of the vintage bikes, you know, it's, it's aimed toward vintage bikes and new riders. And he definitely doesn't want any old vintage bikes to go down. Um, and he doesn't want any new riders to get discouraged, uh, you know, by cold or w- possibly cold and wet track uh, conditions and have people not want to, you know, do an, uh, their second track day. So a uh, good call on that, uh, shutting that down. Number two, also scheduled for Sunday, and this is going to be going on, Lucky Wheels is going to be having their end of an era uh, garage sale and hangout. For anybody that knows, Lucky Wheels was Los Angeles' premier do-it-yourself, member-guided and um, member-supported garage, DIY garage. And uh, they just they did so much cool stuff from the White Lightning Campouts to the Good Luck Show to the Women's Moto Show, um, all the classes that they held there and stuff like that. Like it was a great place to hang out, and it was uh, the hub for a lot of um, Los Angeles based motorcycle community uh, events and stuff like that. So this weekend, this Sunday, they're going to be having their final get-together as Lucky Wheels. Uh, They encourage everybody to come down, uh, grab a dog or a burger, uh, drink some beer, listen to some music, and reminisce about the good times. And in the meantime, buy some of their stuff. They're selling off uh, some of their tools and their surplus motorcycle parts. So now's the time to go down there and do that. Also, if you look on the calendar, uh, 
go over to our affiliates over at Cycle Fish and check out everything. Just search SoCal or actually just search wherever you're going to be, uh, wherever your local area is. And there's so many toy runs and toy drives happening right now this time of year. I encourage you to get involved. Um, and right now we're going to step into uh, uh, this week's episode. Let's get right to it. Nope. All right, everybody. Now you know what's going on. And now uh, let's get into a little fireside chat, if you will. I have a guest on the phone tonight. We're still waiting for Wiggins to cruise into the shop. You know he may be here uh, any moment or he may not show. We just don't know. But um, tonight on the phone, I have somebody who, as you may have may remember us talking about, our own DIY garage here in, um, in LA has, is folding soon. And so... Uh, I was fortunate enough to be contacted by somebody who has their own DIY garage. And with us on the phone tonight is uh, Steve. So, Steve, um, where are you located at? I'm located up here in Cleveland, Ohio. Nice. And uh, the garage, the garage is actually owned by Brian Schaffron, um, Skidmark Garage. And uh, and I teach DIY repair classes out of the, um, out of the garage here. And uh, then, of course, it's much like Lucky Wheels. It's a community garage and... You know, Brian runs space to people, and uh, he also runs like a nonprofit out of there. You know, getting tools back in the hands of kids, kind of like a bring back shop class type thing. And of course, all the usual lifts and tools and benches and tire machines and lathe in the mill and everything you find in a garage. You know, <laughs> nice. Well, you know, here in LA, we have to have that because uh, real estate is. Um, as, as Wiggins likes to put it, people open garages around here, uh, where there's no parking. And, uh, basically it's because we don't have garages. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, garages are hard to come by, uh, unless you're willing to fork out those extra bucks. And it's a little bit expensive to live here in LA as it is. Um, what is the, and as you mentioned also Lucky Wheels, um, being a DIY garage, they were also like a paid membership garage because people really can't afford a uh, spot to work on, you know, their, their bikes. Like I said, you know, they can't afford the garage, but, uh, a hundred dollars a month extra to, to have a shop that has tools, knowledge, and, you know, lifts and stuff like that, that you wouldn't have if you're, you know, paying for your own garage anyway, that was the bonus. What the difference is, is that Lucky Wheels, unfortunately is closing down. Um, how are you guys doing there at Skidmark? And you know what? I've heard Skidmark before from the Cleveland Moto podcast. And, um, I think I've even heard your name mentioned on there, uh, before. And, uh, it seems like you guys are just doing just fine. How is, how is the community there in, uh, Cleveland and how, you know, how are you guys surviving and weathering the storms when, uh, everybody else around us, at least here on the West coast seems to be closing down left and right. Uh, so far here in Cleveland, it's, the motorcycle scene's been pretty steady. I mean, there's definitely been a drop off with the industry. Um, you know, even though people, that, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, even the guys I know at the dealerships and stuff say, you know, sales have dropped off a little bit. But uh, the, you know, the used bike and the vintage bike and the restoration bike industry is really strong. And um, you know, at Brian's place, Skidmark, uh, you know, he has the monthly rate, and uh, it's been going pretty steady for him. He's kind of been on a slow incline over the past couple of years. Uh, strangely enough, the idea for it came from when he lived in Los Angeles. Um, he <laughs> didn't course. have a place to work on his vehicle. So that's where the, right. that's where the whole idea came. And then through his life course, he ended up back in Cleveland. And uh, we opened one up here. Or I'm sorry, he opened one up here. I just teach the classes out of it. Um, but it uh, it seems to be going pretty strong. And yeah, Phil, Phil over Cleveland Moto is doing pretty good. I'm sure he's mentioned me 
Um, I was on his podcast when I first got this started. That and just you know, Cleveland's a big city, not like LA big, but uh, but the motorcycle world around here is very small. Everyone knows everybody. Um, Phil's shop is actually like two miles from my house. Oh, cool. Um, but it's it's a very kind of small world in a sense. Like everybody knows everybody, so it's and, you know. And I think it's it's good because you have a community and you have you know rides and words spread about this event or that event, and everything still you know happens very organically. A lot. It's nice. Yeah, and much like um, you know, much like it sounds like you guys are doing there, Lucky Wheels had their fair share of uh, you know classes, and and they would do uh, teach people how to do oil changes. Um, and once you learn how to do an oil change, though, you don't need to learn to do another oil change, <laughs> right? And so sure. I think it's a matter of getting at that point, uh, getting your friends to come in, and you know, I, I could see where. I don't, you know, I don't work on my bike all the time. And so if I was restoring a bike, hell yeah, a garage with all this stuff going on. And especially somebody that has resources, um, like you mentioned, you know, that you're teaching classes and, and you're, uh, you're all DIY. So you're, you're kind of teaching people how to do stuff. I could see like rebuilding a bike for sure. But then once the rebuild is done, I think that membership model runs into its first obstacle, which is how do you retain people at that point? And it kind of sounds like, you know, you guys, um, of course he got that idea out here in LA because, <laughs> you know, we talked a little bit yesterday and that's how it is out here. Nobody, nobody has the space. And so you do, you do need that space to, uh, do a cool project or, or even, you know, change your oil or something like that. And just nobody has it out here. But I feel like that the garages out here, uh, kind of, you know, you build your business model on that they're, the people are always going to want something, but, and unless you keep offering stuff, they don't come back. So what sort of stuff are you offering there at Noble Moto and how, and where does your experience come from? Um, you know, when you invite people into the, into Skidmark there to, to do something, is it, uh, you know, come and hang with people that just want to show you how to wrench on your bike or do you guys have like set classes and things like that? Oh, we do. I do have set classes. There's, a, there's, a, um, if you remember up there, the general rule is, you know, if you're a member, you help other members. So there's a lot of community to it. And there's also kind of like a lounge and a hangout area and stuff. And there's bike storage. So like a lot of people that, you know, live in apartments and stuff, just keep their bike there and they have like the, the year long membership and then they can do all their maintenance and their bike storage and everything. And, you know, it's heated storage. And then whenever they do need to work on something, they, you know, they basically have access to it. Plus just the, the community that is Skidmark. Um, and now for my classes, yeah, I, I do, I have like the one-on-one maintenance course. And then even after you learn that, like I have carburetor classes and I have a, a one-on-one uh, customization class coming up, which actually Lowbrow Customs is sponsoring me on. Oh, fat. That's uh, it's coming up in February. And, uh, you know, there's been brakes classes and electro classes, and I'm doing like a second tier of tools, you know, your, your impact wrenches and screwdriver, uh, impact screwdrivers and torque wrenches and drills and taps. Um, so there's always, there's kind of always something more to learn, you know, so there's, there's always more classes, or if you just want to network with somebody up there, um, right. there's one guy, John, that comes up there every Wednesday and we, they call it wizard Wednesdays and John just hangs out and helps people, you know, first <laughs> it, come, first serve basis. Yeah. Know? Is he one of those guys, like garage senseis, you know, that yes. kind of knows a little bit about everything? Yes. Yeah. He can tell you part <laughs> numbers off bikes he owned like 15 years oh ago. Oh my God. That's rad. Yeah. It's always cool to have somebody like that around too, that, 
you know, cause, cause you do, you get in, you get into a place like that. And that's what I love about Lucky Wheels. I've never gone down there and had a bad time. I can tell you that it's fun just to hang around, drink a beer, talk, see what people are doing. There's always people there, um, that are one of the guys there is a uh, robot taco racing. And he was building up a 250, an old Honda 250 to go flat tracking. And he already had a couple other bikes that he built their flat tracking. Well, he's there building his bike from scratch. And I think that he was a pretty good motor builder, but I'm not hundred percent sure on his frame and painting skills. So mm-hmm. he went there and got some of that there, but it was always cool to, that like you're saying there, there was somebody there to show him, Hey, if you need to weld up your frame or, you know, brace it, let's try this and this. And there's, um, those guys that hang out in, in those places. And and so it is, if you're a motorhead, you, you love hanging out, whether you're working on a bike or not. Right. So it's kind of cool that there's that environment that you guys have there. Um, as far as the carbs and, and brakes and tap, I tell you what, I've rebuilt a few carbs in my time and sometimes it'll, it'll, you'll go years because you get everything running right, but then you get a new bike. And I, I would probably pay to go back to a carb class now and then just to, uh, take it apart and, um, not feel, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, you know, even though I know how to do it, I would, I still don't think I'd feel embarrassed to go to a carb, you know, especially with like a four carb bike or something and just be like, Hey man, like, sure. I just would like, I haven't done this in like five years. I'd like to re re uh, certify myself. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so sure. It's, and it's, it's kind of a black art, you know? Yeah, for sure. Have you, have you come across in the time that you've been uh, holding classes there? Have you come across something that somebody has brought in that has stumped you? Um, not off the top of my head. I'm sure there's some, there's always still something, somebody found some old weird bike in a barn somewhere that, you know, you're, there's three, you stand around like, man, I've never seen one of these. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't say anything's really stumped me. I mean, I've been doing motorcycles for probably 20 years. I, I did drag racing. I, uh, did, uh, nitromethane Harleys and the H. DRA under pro fuel back when that was the thing I've done dirt bikes, uh, track days on sport bikes, you know, street Harleys, uh, pretty much every aspect of the two wheeled world I dabbled in. So at some point, you know, I've kind of touched on everything, but, um, there's still always something, somebody's still going to have some weird Ducati or something, or you get a lot of like guys buy somebody else's started custom, uh, you know, then they're trying to finish it. Some dude just rolled in a, a half finished panhead chopper the other day. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, so a lot of times there's the sorting out other people's customs, other people's projects and trying to figure out why this Bendix carb work doesn't work on, you know, this iron head or whatever. Yeah. Right. And so that, um, leading into that, where, what is your background in motorcycles? I mean, it sounds like you've been on this planet for about 500 years. Cause it sounds like you touched just about every single thing, uh, there is to ride except for, you know, a 1920s board tracker. Um, how- Sadly, I haven't got a chance to get on one of those yet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, um, I, I mean, I, I basically, I just, you know, I, I got into, you know, I was always in the car as a kid and then, Somewhere around 1920, uh, got into motorcycles and, um, <laughs> age 19 or 20. Uh, I was going to say, wow, that's, a, <laughs> you got into cars uh, early. <laughs> I'm 39. I'm not that old yet, <laughs> but, um, yeah, around ni- age 19 or 20, I got into motorcycles and it just, and you know, you start networking with people and you meet people and Hey, you know, do you want to help out with this or do you want to get involved in this? And it's, it's just always gone full speed for me. Um, I travel on motorcycles too. My wife rides, uh, so we travel, I think I'm up to like 25 States or something like that. Oh, cool. Uh, checked off and 
you know, so it's just every, every aspect of the motorcycle world I've wanted to touch on at one point or another, you know? Yeah. Uh, what, what was your, uh, what was your first bike? Uh, 1975 Kawasaki KZ 400. I still oh, have it. Bang. So like, uh, yeah, I have a cafe scrambler right now. Right. So you were like, that bikes is not quite a decade older than you somewhere around there. So that's a good, uh, I mean, that's a pretty good, um, yeah, I, I have, and I've had it since I think I bought that, I bought that bike in 2001. Nice. Rad. Um, I've always wanted to get one of those old, either an old Kawasaki or one of the old Yamaha, like DT, uh, just cause those things are just so much fun and they're so simple. Like that's why my, my very first, uh, my very first, um, motorcycle period was a, uh, an XR 250 and that was pretty simple. Mm-hmm. And then I got this old beat up Yamaha from a friend and, uh, I'm keeping this thing forever just because there's about three wires on it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, the carburetor might need to be cleaned now and then, but man, I don't have to trace <laughs> the electrical gremlins are, are narrowed down to like, you know, a total of six wires. So uh, I find that some of those old bikes are just, uh, uh, once you get them running, uh, they're just, they just want to run, you know, they don't, they can take the abuse that some of the, um, maybe not jumping 40 feet in the air, but yeah, they can take the abuse that some of these newer bikes can and you don't have to uh, replace a $800 module when you're done. Ironically, I, I hardly ever work on that Kawasaki. And I mean, I, I ride the snot out of it when yeah. I ride the thing. It's got breaker point ignition. It's it's just fine. You just put something resembling motor oil in it and something resembling gas and just ride it around at red line. It'll be fine. <laughs> right. Um, my the point, thing's pretty my much point, exactly. I've had like I've had new high-end sport bikes that were just like every month I was working on them. Uh, the Kawasaki still ran. Yeah. 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 See, that's that's my point exactly. And and I, I will always have a a warm spot in my heart for this thing. Even the most, um, God, I've, I've, when I got this thing, it had a chunk missing from a valve and it was still running. And the guy was like, Oh, I think you just need to tighten the cam chain. And I'm going, dude, I'm taking this motor apart ASAP. And yeah, half the valve was missing. It was, uh, (laughs) down there rattling around inside the, uh, cylinder. So I was like, that ain't good. But, um, it still, still ran like a champ. Yeah, yeah, One exactly. Point head was loose on KZ, and I was just like, "Why is this thing idling like crap?" <laughs> Other than that, it ran fine. Right. You know? Yeah. And I was like, "Oh look, the head's loose." It's still fine. It ran. <laughs> That's amazing. How? Right. So, um, what is the? You know, aside from that, it sounds like the most reliable bike. What is uh, two questions here? The most unreliable bike you've owned, and what is uh, probably I'm gonna guess your favorite, but the craziest bike you've ever owned. Oh, that's an easy answer. Most unreliable bike I ever owned was a 2007 Triumph Speed Triple. Um, I the motor itself worked, and the suspension worked. Uh, whoever the electrical engineer designed the charging system on that bike needs to be punched in the face. <laughs> and uh, like the ECU was really sketchy on it. And in like six years, I think I went through for like five years, I went through like six or seven batteries with it. Uh, the voltage on those drops below, uh, 12.1 volts, even on startup crank, the whole ECU shuts off. Oh yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty much a nightmare. Um, the, when the bike works, it was amazing. Uh, you have that thing, you know, I have it down like West Virginia or Southern Ohio and in the canyons and the curves. And it was one of the most amazing bikes I've ever ridden. Yeah. Um, like I rode it all the way from, you know, Cleveland, Ohio to Maine. Um, so then the, the also answer to that question is, it was the favorite bike I ever owned. That same Triumph Speed Triple. <laughs> right. Was it was it, the biggest headache, but 
Right. I love that bike. It, it, is that why you loved it? Is because it was uh, it was the one that made you fight for its love? <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. I think it was just such an amazing bike when it worked. It was just that charging system on it, and the, the electrical was so so questionable. Yeah. Um, and from my understanding, they debugged it, you know, the next year by 08. So, of course, one year shy. Um, but I, I mean, though, there is definitely a bond to a bike that I, I don't probably have to work on, you know, like I have a, I have a 05 super glide, partly super glide I'm riding right now is my commuter. And, uh, I've, you know, done a decent amount of wrenching to that. I, I've definitely gotten attached to that bike, nice. but then I had an old 82 Virago that I never worked on. And that thing was amazing too. Yeah. Oh yeah. The Viragos are, uh, at least around here, known to be the bike that gets passed around like a like a uh, eight foot long cigarette, and everybody owns it forever, sure. and never never ends up uh, running it into the ground somehow, and it ends up you know somebody's cafe racer or chopper, you know, ten years later. So um, yeah, I've seen quite a, quite a few of those things around here too. My wife's first bike was a 1990 Suzuki GS500e that I think at least five of my friends owned. Yeah. Before she acquired it. So, yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> right. Um, it sounds like you've done quite a bit of uh, a riding. You guys um, focus on long distance or are you just doing uh, – is it based on the time frame? If I asked you, like, what were you doing in your teens, you'd be like, well, I was doing motocross. In my 20s, I was doing drag racing. and you know, in my 30s, I was doing long distance. Did you – or have you done the whole gamut uh, your whole life uh, that you've been on bikes? No, I mean, the, the – the traveling definitely came more in my late twenties and then into my thirties. <clears throat> and I mean, it was always, you know, an enjoyable thing, but it was also an element of having a bike reliable enough to do it. it you know, also being just, you know, in a place financially where I can, you know, take four days off work or something, you know, <laughs> right. Um, versus, and then in my twenties, I was a little bit more after like the thrill seeking aspect of it. So there was more drag racing and then, you know, road course type track days and stuff. And then, you know, some time on the dirt bike. So I realized I was going to kill myself on that thing. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's, you know, there's some of it, I would jump back into some of it. I, I'm just kind of done with, you know, kind of been there, done that. Uh, yeah. But I probably get more enjoyment out of the, the traveling now, the traveling. And then, you know, like the Canyon carving weekend trips too. Yeah. Do you guys have canyons there? I mean, I, I never hear, hear Phil talk about uh, carving any canyons, but you got to go out of state so for those. We have, Phil, Phil's aware of some of it. Uh, so there's the infamous areas around here are southeastern Ohio, West Virginia, then down into the Smoky Mountains. And when we get down to the Smokies, that's where Deals Gap is. Um, oh, okay. And the, the infamous Tale of the Dragon. It's a big deal on the East Coast. Um, and the, the thing about southeastern Ohio and West Virginia is it's it's very rural you know, coal country, poor, beautiful country, but it's just poor Appalachia where they've like paved every horse path through the hills. There's like zero, you know, city or, you know, traffic engineers going into this. So you have like these 20 crazy 25 mile an hour switchbacks that just go on across like the entire state um, to where like every turn is like 20 and hanging off the seat. Um <laughs> That so like it, there is some of the most amazing, like amazing motorcycling going on down there. If that's your thing. Yeah. Um, and so that's the, now, like, I mean, I only, I'm in California. 
me once. Uh, we were in like the Sierra Nevadas, and that that was you know it's beautiful there. Uh, but it, it doesn't have like that same. You have more altitude up and down, but you don't have like those tight switchbacks. You know, yeah. at least on the roads I was. In. Yeah, you, it, and those so aren't people essentially have canyons. They just aren't as quite as epic as you guys have. Yeah, yeah, and I've I've we don't been have the on PCH, you know anything like that, you know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't think there's. If I remember correctly, there's no oceans by Ohio. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I got that one uh, right. We have a very large lake. Uh, <laughs> it is not nearly as scenic as the Pacific Coast. Right. Well, you know, don't they do like a? Um, I swear they do some sort of like vintage melee race around there or some sort of race around the yeah. lake, right? Yeah, they do the Lake Erie Loop. I did that once. Once. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's about 640 miles in a day. Uh, it starts and ends in northern Ohio. And uh, yeah, it's a race around Lake Erie on bikes under 250 cc's. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's pretty much just 10 hours. Well, nine if you win. Nine, ten hours of just red line on a, you know, CB 175 <laughs> at 50, 50 to 55 miles an hour. Just, yeah, you know. that sounds epic. It sounds like the, uh, like, a uh, endurance race from like 1950, <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's, it was, it's brutal. Yeah. I, <laughs> I did it once and it was a sense of accomplishment and, uh, I have no desire to ever do it again. Right. You highly encourage people if you, if that's your thing, like, if endurance riding's your thing, like you gotta do it. It's it's amazing adventure. Because you also have like two border crossings in there. So you you have to deal with that and you know, that's part of your time, you know, is negotiating with the unfriendly border police and <laughs> you know. Wait, is it going into Canada or where does it go? No, no, it's coming back in. They're cool when you go into Canada. And you try to come back in the States, they act like you're a wanted felon or something. You right, know? right. Yeah, try uh, to go down to Mexico and come back, especially if you're tan, you know? <laughs> like, you get pulled into secondary. Um, I imagine it's probably a similar scenario there, yeah. yeah. Or maybe more so. Uh, yeah, and it never used to be like that at all until you know about 19 years ago, or right about now, I guess. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so. yeah, something like that. Um, that does sound like something I would like to do. Do you, when people come into the to the shop to learn about, uh, you know, whatever the class is that you're going to be putting on for that time, do they get introduced to all this stuff? Do they get initiated into the? Um, you know, the, the, uh, Ohio life moto lifestyle, should I say? And, and do they get, uh, invited to do these things, which may potentially turn them into lifelong lovers of the sport or potentially turn them uh, off from sitting their ass on a seat ever again? <laughs> yeah, we, we don't want to run them off. It's kind of a case of, if you come in, if yeah, everybody loves to tell stories about riding motorcycles. So it's just a matter of asking the right person, the right question. And then you'll get inundated with the stories. And, uh, you know, a lot of it spread through social media, you know, so yeah. you, you meet one person and then, you know, you, you know, somebody posts an event. So then you start inviting other people, you know, that ride and you know, it, it all kind of intermingles from there yeah. pretty fast. You know? Is a, uh, is Skidmark, has it become a, uh, a meeting, like, do people do cars and coffee there, or has it become sort of a meeting place for people to just kind of come and, and introduce new people there or, or, and bring them to these classes? Maybe, hey, hey, you don't have to have a bike. Just come down here and, and kind of learn how to wrench, and we'll get you set up later. Not yet, but, I mean, not not for my classes, though it has definitely been a place where people have brought in 
um, you know, people they were trying to get into motorcycling, like, hey, check this out, yeah, you know, yeah. which I think is especially good for for the new riders and stuff like that. You know, somebody they have a bike and they want to get their friends into it, but maybe they're nervous. They don't know anything about bikes or whatever. Yeah. Um, th- there's definitely been a lot of introduction to that, you know, and then, of course, you know, people that come into the one on one classes a lot of time. That is their first time at Skidmark. Um, so then in turn, you know, they usually meet Brian, the owner, and then whoever happens to be hanging out there doing whatever. And, yeah. uh, and it's, it's kind of an, at least during certain hours, kind of an open door policy. So, you know, people can come in and hang out and there's flyers up. And then of course stuff gets, you know, plugged around social media and everyone's very social and friendly. There's no attitudes or anything. Yeah. We haven't done any like cars and coffee yet, though. So that would be amazing. Um, they did do uh, Fuel Cleveland, uh, was kind of based out of it for about two two of the years, two or three of the years. Right, uh, right. Here was Fuel. I forgot um, about Fuel. Alt. I mean, I kind of forget about that, that that is uh, a major, you know, if I know about it here on the West Coast, it's got to be a pretty major thing. And it looks like it <laughs> gets a lot of people coming and a lot of interesting bikes showing up there. The f- fuel's always, it's all, that's a, it's always, it's a, Builder show, uh, you know, the guys, you know, a lot of guys are associated with lowbrow customs to put it on and, uh, you know, they, they pick and choose who gets to be in there right. and, uh, they always try to have like a nice array of, you know, it'll be vintage Harleys and then love some survivor bikes and then some new customs and cafe bikes and scramblers and dirt bikes. And it, it's grown every year. And, um, yeah, it's, it's always that. Fuel is always an amazing show to go to. I'm yeah. not much of a bike show guy personally. Uh, Cause I'm kind of like, I oh, look, you know, five chrome bikes. I've seen that before, uh, <laughs> but I definitely make it a point to go to fuel. Yeah. I'm exactly. Uh, yeah, fuel this- was basically out of the adjoining building to Skidmark for about three years. And then this past due to expansion, they had to move to the Madison uh, this past year. And then I, I don't know what's going on next year, but I'm sure it'll be around Cleveland somewhere. Yeah. I'm exactly the and same way. Yeah. If I've gone to a show and seen like all the choppers, I was just telling somebody this last week, I think you see 20 choppers, you've seen them all, you know, pretty much. Um, and, but it, it sounds like fuel is even a little bit more, a little bit less like born free, which is our big old West coast show. And a little bit more Mm -hmm. like the one show or uh, the hand built show where you get a little bit more of a variety of bikes than just like a bunch of, bunch of Harleys. They're not always choppers at, born free but a lot of them are you know sometimes you get stuff thrown in here and there it's probably closer i mean born free i know is a big deal it's probably closer to uh the hand-built show i mean there's still a lot of harleys because that's still the the custom bike world um but you get guys that you know it's a lot of they're choppers but a lot more like the next level choppers there was one guy one year that had a shovel head there and he had cut the heads apart on the thing and it had completely exposed valve train and then all the oiling on it was sealed up. Oh, bang. Uh, so as the thing run, you know, the rocker arms are going and, you know, the intake exhaust valves are going. Wow. Uh, so it's, you've really got to have, it's, it's really a builder show in the sense of, you know, the stuff isn't just sparkly and shiny. Like there's, you know, a lot of hand-built craftsmanship in this, you know, welds aren't ground or there's no body filler in there. Like it's, you know, if you're into, you know, the man, you know, fabricating and stuff like that, you'll definitely appreciate fuel. Right. Yeah. I feel like the, the ones that born free that stand out are, are those kind too, because like you said, you, you see five, you've seen them all, but the ones that really stand out are the ones that have like, you could tell they spent like a hundred hours etching something into the, 
cases or like the side covers and then the paint that goes into those ones, obviously they lay like a really, oh, yeah, they, they put a lot of time into those where like the ones that are squirted over real thick because there's probably Bondo under there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those, well, I mean, now the flip side is with fuel, like those are out in the parking lot too. Like yeah. <laughs> there's always a quite the assortment of bikes that show up there. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the parking lot, there was, there was some guy last year, I think it was the wall of death guys. And they were, uh, they had some like 50 something panhead with a sidecar and they were going up and down the street with this thing up on two <laughs> nice. wheels, you know, the right. sidecar up in the air. So there's, there's always something really unique about fuel. Yeah. Um, going back to Skidmark, how, hmm. um, how long has that been around? How long have they been a, a actual like up and running DIY garage? Uh, four to five years, I believe. I, I can. I think it's been since 2016 or 2017. Right. Uh, I think since 17, it was an official business. It was kind of a thing out of Brian's place uh, for a little while, and then they had a starting location that went for a little while. Now they're in a about 10,000 square foot facility. Yeah. Currently, uh, so yeah, it's it's been going for a couple of years and slowly growing. And then he does a uh, Moto Go out of there, which I was saying was a. Um, it's a mobile shop class and they actually bring high school kids in and have them tear apart old CB three fifties. And he has a couple schools where he has like a shop set up at the school where the kids come down for so many hours, you know, a week and they tear apart these CB three fifties and regasket them and put them back together. And the idea is, you know, you're putting tools back in the hands of kids and, you know, they're learning how to, you know, learn and learn how to, you know, use the socket wrench and to sort problems out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, of course, since it's a motorcycle, it's more interesting than, you know, wrenching on a lawnmower. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they're all bikes, so they break stuff off. Who cares? That's how you learn. Yeah. You know? Well, you know what, too? STEM is uh, uh, such a big part of education these days, and people are trying to pr- push all different sorts of... Uh, it, it's it's ironic to me because as the... Um, as the shop classes started disappearing out of schools, they started pushing STEM, which is like, man, what are you doing? You're basically like, uh, you know, spiting your nose despite your face. What's that saying? Um, and, and basically the thing is, is that once you realize the value of, you know, we actually have had a, a teacher on here before that used her drag racing and her love of, um, she would do like go to a skydiving facility and teach the kids about the motors and stuff. But she used all that in her lessons to talk about, you know, physics and stuff like that. And it's, it's like, yeah, not only that, but the problem solving that, uh, you learn when you have to diagnose something and then fix it, it's kind of a, a twofer, you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of ironic to me that I, I saw it happen, you know, the last few years that I was in high school and this is like 700 years ago. Um, they were already, taking shop classes away and kind of, Hey, you know, computers is going to be the future. Let's turn this into a virtual problem. But then now a a lot, a lot of times, and especially in uh, Milwaukee and especially there in uh, Ohio and uh, even in Florida, uh, I've seen a lot of people coming back to, um, you know, this is the new shop class and they're actually taking the kids out of school and taking them to places like this. Um, one of our friends from Milwaukee, she actually runs a group called build. Um, and they do the same sort of thing that you're talking about, but it's like a after school thing through, through, uh, 
build moto, I think is what it's called. And so okay. that's, that's really cool to me that he's, he's got that going on. And however he arranged that with the, uh, school district, <laughs> can I, can I introduce kids to these things that are dangerous now? And it's like, they're not dangerous. Kids used to do this all the time, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, he's, he's conventionally trained as a teacher. So he had some connections there. Um, nice. and yeah, it's, you're absolutely right. You're teaching, the kids are learning deductive reasoning. And it's not just a theory. They're, they're learning stuff hands-on and, uh, to quote Brian, you know, they're learning how to learn. Yeah. Um, you know, when they actually, you know, get their hands dirty and, and sort problems out by themselves. Um, side story on that we were at the Amex phone Columbus like two months ago and, uh, plug in moto go. And we had an old CB there and, you know, as kids came by, we just hand them wrenches and like, Hey, you want to take something off it? And, um, you know, point at the, the bike and, you know, there was, you know, like these two 10 year old girls that were just going to town. They pulled the exhaust off and they pulled the carbs off. And, you know, the one of them tells the other one, like, there's nothing to be afraid of. And she goes back to like digging in a Phillips screwdriver with a flathead bit and still manages to get the turn signal off. And they were just so floored over, you know, taking this old bike apart. Yeah, you know? that's right. It was, it was great. <laughs> yeah. You know? All right, we have been uh, joined by Wiggins, who is here now. Hey, hey, hey. And, Hold um, on, Wiggins. Hey. So, yeah, we got Skidmark. I got his monitor up over there so you can see. We got Skidmark uh, Garage being represented tonight by Nobomoto. He runs a um, sort of a DIY shop. It's it's similar to Lucky Wheels, and it's funny. Who's the guy that started Skidmark again? It's Brian uh, Shaffer. Brian Shaffer, and it's the guy that runs Skidmark. And I just teach the, uh, the the DIY classes, you know, basically teaching the average person how to fix their bike. You know, you don't have to go to trade school to learn how to, you know, do your brakes on your motorcycle. Right. You know? So Wiggins, a little a little background. Guess where he started the, he got the idea for Skidmark. Well, I don't know if he got the idea for it, but he lived here from, in LA. From a shart? <laughs> from a shart. Well, he moved back to... Uh, he lived here for a bit and was like, hey, the same thing as Lucky Wheels. Like, yeah. we're always talking where you can't, nobody can afford a garage around here. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's popular and it makes sense because there's a lot of people want to do things themselves and they don't know where to start. So it's just such a good way to, like, you know, they want to have someone help them and watch over their shoulders so they know they're doing it right, but they do want to do it themselves. Yeah. And I was even saying earlier, um, I wouldn't mind re, you know, going back to, uh, a class for like tapping. You said you offer like a tapping class and stuff like that. Yeah. I haven't, girls tap yeah, yeah. I haven't had to do that in like over 10 years, probably since I've owned a Volkswagen bug. I used to race that thing all the time. <laughs> and, um, oh, right. I, I did the rail buggy thing for a while. I understand. Yeah. 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 So those things are always yeah, getting some sort of heli coil in here or there, but you know, that's something that I haven't done in so long that. I, it'd be kind of fun to go back and just practice on someone else's stuff before you <laughs> go, go and destroy your own. Um, sure. So we're looking at the, I know you have a website where you can go and you can actually um, look at the classes and the itinerary that you have, but you also have a lot of YouTube content. Like you're, you're a all sort of content creator. And so, you know, it looks like you, you're kind of giving people a doorway into, um, you know, do you have a lot of free stuff out there on the web as far as like, hey, you know, or is it just kind of encouraging people to come in to do the classes and, and, uh, and learn no, the a lot of it, a lot of the YouTube content is, uh, some of it's planned. A lot of it's maintenance that I have to do on my own motorcycle. So I, I shoot uh, YouTube videos with it. And then I started doing, uh, like a little tutorial, like I did on like an impact screwdriver and, uh, 
Reese did one checking the valves, but the sound got screwed up, so I had to take it down. You must have a um, old so there, I have content there. Um, there, it's no. I mean, there's a handful of commercials on the YouTube channel, but that's really just plugging the channel itself, right? Um, but the majority of my videos, they are content. Like it's it's not a teaser thing or anything. And then of course, you know, if then. I kind of feel that is plugging the classes like, Hey, so, you know, yeah, here's a video on how to change the engine mount on my Dyna, uh, or you can come in and take an entire class for it. And I'll, and I have a thing out there now too, where, uh, you can hire me and I'll just kind of supervise your repairs too, Rad. Yeah. uh, to give you a look over your shoulder. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of both. The only thing I have that's online through course craft, I have an online electrical course that I wrote, um, so you can go into course craft and take that and it's, it's, it's like a few hour long thing. Uh, there's a few YouTube videos on there with it, but it's mostly writing and questions and electrical theory and, and stuff like that. Uh, and that is pay. Uh, but everything else is, you know, just out there on YouTube doing its thing. Yeah. What, um, what do you normally charge per class to, and, and how big are your classes? Like what type of draw are you guys getting there? Um, uh, depending on the subject matter, uh, they're usually four to six people. Uh, like I have a one-on-one class coming up here in a few days. Uh, it's full. I have four people in it. Uh, it's a hundred bucks for a class. Um, it's about three and a half hour class. You get a booklet with it, uh, a little voltmeter, um, kind of a handbook that I wrote of all the different, basically all the things I covered. Um, we also have pizza. Yeah. You gotta hang out the garage too. <laughs> right. uh, and usually somebody, one of my friends is basically getting a free oil change as a product of it. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do some maintenance on a bike and change some spark plugs and align chains and check brake pads. And, um, now the carb classes are, the carb classes are about, they're also about a hundred dollars, but usually go up to like six people on that. Then that's a two night class where, I tell people, you know, I have carbs for you to work on, or you can just bring your stuff in and we'll work on that too. And, um, and then for the second night, it'll be like the next week. So I can kind of tell everybody like, all right, now I've told you something now go home and, uh, try and put it on your bike and, uh, come back to me with your problems next week. <laughs> right. And, uh, we will we'll bring your bike back if it runs and, uh, you know, we'll tune it in or sort out your problems or whatever it may be. Right. And then some classes like the, the customization class I've coming up that's sponsored by Lowbrow Customs. Uh, that one's a little cheaper. I think that one's 65, something like that. Uh, and that's also going to be about a three to four hour class. We're going to change out some handlebars and some grips and some mirrors that Lowbrow hooked me up with. Right. Um, just to kind of, because I kind of want to get people into the idea of, but let me start over on that. It's Skidmark. I see a lot of people that just, you know, they're, they're new to bikes and they say, I want to build a custom bike and they get an old bike and they tear into it and they try to do this full custom for their first thing. And, you know, to personalize a bike, you don't have to take a disc grinder to the frame necessarily, you know, changing handlebars and mirrors is, can be a huge, you know, huge visual appearance. So I kind of want to just, you know, show people that, you know, you can start simple with that and still have a cool, unique bike that's yours, you know, with just some basic bolt on parts. When a lot of people don't realize how, um, how much impact stuff like bars and mirrors and foot controls and like different bags or different seat, like simple bolt on stuff really makes on a bike. Like, you know, you can look at stuff that hasn't had one grinder taken to it anywhere. And if just person knows what they're doing, bolting on parts, it really makes a big difference. And also, Oh, absolutely. Also the guys at Lowbrow are, are awesome guys. <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah. Tyler, just, Tyler, yeah. Tyler yeah. And Mikey Revolt. Yeah. Yeah. So much. I know they sell a ton of stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, And, and super reasonable prices and great products. Like they're, 
you know, they're awesome guys. Yeah. It, it's, it's really good that you have like partnerships there with people like that, that are part of the industry and not just like some weird, when I was, uh, doing welding before, like there was a weird, I took a class here locally, um, cause I hadn't welded for 5,000 years after I got out of a body shop, you know? And, uh, I was like, man, I'm going to go back and do some welding again. And the dude had like a weird deal with people where you could, it wasn't like going to, any of the known um, welding <laughs> welding supplies. And I was like, why did you do this? It would be so nice if I could just walk into any, you know, blankety blank shop that there's a hundred of instead of going to this one weird place uh, for stuff. So having people come on board that, um, I mean, it's a great way for them to get their name out there too, but it's really cool that they're just as into, you know, inspiring people to make stuff as you are to help them and get them on that path. You know, that's... Uh, Super cool. Who else is up there in that area that you guys uh, work with? Oh, uh, well, first and foremost, Super Trap. Um, friends of mine, plus I run their exhaust on my both my Harley and my wife's Harley. Um, the Super Trap Jardine and uh, FPS Radiator, they're right here in Cleveland. That's all under one umbrella. And then uh, Weiss goes here, uh, the Piston people. Uh, Cometa Gasket, uh, they've actually donated some gaskets to a uh, carb class before. Uh, Hans over at HMF is here in town. He does mostly dirt stuff now. Uh, Mr. Gasket and Holly are here. Um, obviously lowbrows 15 minutes down the road in Brunswick. Um, there's probably some more I'm forgetting about, but that's, that's probably the, the big ones. Of course, all the assorted dealers. Yeah. You know. Yeah, man, that's cool to have all those, uh, like resources right there to pull from. I thought Weissco was in Iowa, but is Iowa close to Ohio? Nah, not really. Not it's really. About 600 miles. Oh, it's the like other side of Indiana. It's like the opposite side of the Midwest. Yeah, you should see. It's like other side of Indiana, <laughs> Illinois, and they're like mid Midwest. We're like East Midwest. Okay, yeah. one, one it's of these like days, West Midwest. Right. One of these days, I'm gonna draw a map of the U.S. based on like how it is in my head, and it's gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna make a T-shirt and sell it to people to listen to the show because it's so funny when we talk about stuff. Right. <laughs> I'm. I. I was earlier. You, um, you know any of the hooligans around Ohio area? There's really not really no one. Okay. My buddy Ethan's uh, right. Do you know I'm the hooligan? The, loop, but <laughs> the what? I'm out of the racing loop anymore, oh, okay. so I don't, don't know too many of those guys. My buddy Ethan's. Uh, I mean, they have the big oh. AMA race down at Lima, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's track. a crazy one too, man. That's a crazy track. You know, I hear every year uh, Phil just talk about it endlessly, and it makes me jealous and want to go. And also Liza uh, Miller from the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast out here goes every year, is the uh, the mid-Ohio, you know, the vintage days. And I've been, uh, you know, I'm, I was joined the AMA this summer and um, subscribed to their magazine, and I see it, and I'm going, oh, my God, Pickerington, Ohio is where I need to be in, like, July or whatever <laughs> the hell it is. Uh, yeah, you, you ever, yeah, you ever like cruise down? Weekend, yeah, you ever cruise down like, there and see what sort of financial yep. damage you can do to yourself? <laughs> uh, there's a lot of financial damage you can do yourself <laughs> in vintage days. It is, um, I don't even know how many people go, but I mean, there's, there's a swap meet aspect to it. There's the actual racing. Well, there's the, they have the road racing cause it's at mid Ohio sports car course. Uh, then they have some dirt scrambles set up. Um, and then, you know, so the swap meet, then there's the vintage stuff, and there's usually a couple manufacturers there. And then, of course, then in the campgrounds, you have the, the mini bike shit show, as we've called it, um, <laughs> which is just guys on old beater dirt bikes and mini bikes and stuff. There's usually some dirt tracks cut into the, the field there somewhere that they set up. And then, you know, the that's kind of the, the unofficial end of it that, you know, goes down. 
uh, every year. So it's, it's always a big party. Yeah. Um, done it a few times. It's, it's a pretty good time. Do, do you go down there as Noble Moto or Skidmark or you just kind of go incognito? So if you do something crazy, nobody can trace it back to you. <laughs> oh, if I do something crazy, man, put it on YouTube. Uh, there's YouTube <laughs> videos of me doing burnouts at fuel. Um, but, uh, I actually haven't been down in a few years. Just this and that have happened. Uh, so I basically haven't been down since the begin since the existence of Noble Moto. Okay. Uh, hopefully I'll make it down next year. And, uh, I'm sure I'll be sporting the t-shirts and riding around on a mini bike or something. So, you know, right. say hi. Brian usually sets up a, a booth there with Skidmark, um, you know, and has a little, little demonstration thing set up, a couple of bikes they're working on kind of get the word out. Then Phil's usually on a, a vintage scooter that you've never heard of somewhere. Right. Uh, drinking tiki drinks uh while riding around a field yeah i know i know phil uh he he always talks about what crazy thing he's gonna go swindle from somebody and then uh <laughs> wheelie all weekend and then sell <laughs> last thing on sunday uh, that is an accurate description yes <laughs> <laughs> side story so i i met phil so i i I'd encountered phil uh, around the Cleveland area, you know, through motorcycles. The very first DGR or Distinguished Gentleman's Ride that they had here, however many years ago, there was Phil came and he was riding a BMW with a sidecar and he had an East German Army uniform on with like this black leather trench coat, you know. So we're tearing around the city and there's this this weirdo with an Army uniform on on a vintage BMW and I was like, I I gotta go talk to this guy. We need to be friends. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Uh, you know, what would surprise me less is if he popped open the trench coat and had a kilt on underneath or something like that. Um, that would not surprise me either. Yeah. Happened. Hey, this white, we're looking at the, um, the gallery speed triple or street triple. Yeah. We're looking at the gallery. Is that white street triple? The one that's been uh, a speed triple, the big one speed triple. Yeah. Oh, is it the yeah. one that was giving you the headaches? Is that it? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Oh, man. It was kind of a love hate relationship with it, but yeah, that was it. Yeah. The Oh seven speed triple. Uh, I mean, I put like, it wasn't a terrible bike. I put like 40 some thousand miles on it, uh, over a few years, but it just, uh, the, the charging system was crap on it. Yeah. You know, what's funny is cause I've heard oh, that wait. same thing. Bad wiring from the Brits. <laughs> yeah, I know. You, you think with the new ones, they would have improved it. No, no, it's, it's still bad. Yeah. I've my, my, my buddy had one and it was like, my other buddy had one and then, uh, one was it was like a 50 50 chance because one guy never had any problems and the other guy did had a, every problem and then i had a supposedly guy after 08 or oh that was 07 supposedly 08 and up they they got a lot better i have a friend who was an 09 and he never has any problems with it yeah yeah this is like pre this is like a oh five or something like that i forget what yeah the oh the five to 07 they what would happen is if you put like a voltage meter on it and watch it while you're riding, like if you were under 2000 RPMs and the fan was on, it was actually losing voltage. <laughs> so was, you basically had to keep the, the RPMs up. So who if knew? traffic stopped, you pretty much had to, yeah. you had to split lanes or your battery would die. Oh yeah. Why is this dude rev bombing me? It's funny because it's yeah. like, uh, where is all that energy going? <laughs> and then something's on fire, like in your, <laughs> in your rear tail section or something like that. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I rode the thing to Maine. I had it down deals gap, rode up to Oshkosh in Wisconsin. You know, it, uh, it still took me around quite a bit. It just required a lot of attention. Right. And so are all the bikes on this gallery, the ones that you've owned over the years, I see there's a blue, 
Uh, Harley looks like a. Is that Iron Head? I can't tell what that no, is. A dyna. No, that's a that's a super glide. That's my that's O five Dyna. That's my uh my daily rider there. And then um, is that the one that you still have right now? Yes. Yeah, that's just getting painted this winter by uh Chelsea Motorworks. Yeah. See, that's something that we don't have. You guys, a Skidmark is probably making it because of the uh the storage aspect of it well here in socal we don't ever <laughs> yeah, we quit don't riding so we don't have that bike storage thing i i do know uh there is a, a motor garage that i went to last year and we had a little show there where they were in hollywood at the time and so they uh, were storing some movie stars bikes but i mean that's about it i mean we're talking like that's a special circumstance and it's like here you have to your bike has to be on prep because you ride all year round <laughs> so we don't have that storage thing here and you would think that that would make diy garages in demand but at the same time like i was telling you you change your how often do you ever change your fork uh oil or your fork seals you know what i'm saying like once every 10 years i, I never <laughs> I, I never change the fork oil because the seals will go out after at about fifty thousand miles my theory is just change it then mm-hmm Right, so you only need a garage every fifty thousand miles. I I wait until they're done leaking oil too, so I don't have to clean that mess up. <laughs> right, it's easier clean up that way. You know yeah. what? The front end's lighter. Everything's better that way. Yeah, yeah. it's uh. So yeah, I mean, I see where the, I see how you guys there have uh it's a little bit different of a market economy, but at the same time, it's, it's interesting to me. Um, I know why the one guy here that, uh, was in San Diego, he was open for the longest. He was the longest running, um, DIY garage in North America so far until people are open for a few more years and then they will have passed him. And it sounds like skid marks on that trajectory, but he was open for a long time. But the running joke was, Hey, who is Dave talking to now? And it's the, the, the guy, if you asked him one question, you you would stand there for three hours and not get any work done. So I, I know why they went out of business. It's because he was such a good storyteller and he's been on this earth for so long. But I honestly can't tell you, I, I don't know if, you know, I'm not going to get into Skidmark's business plan with you about uh, insurance and any of that stuff, but I, I have a feeling, I just have this gut feeling that that's where some of the stuff that is closing shops around here is going because once you start having cool fun stuff like shows and music you got to get a music permit you have to get a sound permit you have to get an occupancy permit um and it might just be a california thing i i don't know if it's that regulated in other states but i i sure can tell you that it's really hard to be a fun place and um not even lucrative, just enough to pay the rent to keep people coming back and have a have a spot to do it. Because I can tell you that the guys that at all the shops around here, they weren't living in mansions. You know what I'm saying? They were they were kind of living um, maybe even a little bit less uh, lucratively than they were before they had the shop. It's just like people are trying to do something cool. So it just sounds like you guys have the right balance there. And you're bringing all your knowledge into Skidmark, which is like a bonus for them because then they don't have to pay you, right? Like you, you want to, you use their shop and they, they're probably glad to have you and you guys doing. Yeah. I, I, I basically pay Brian rent. Um, yeah. <laughs> for the, the classes. Uh, I mean, I, I can't really speak on his financial end of things, but I mean, the, the, the big bonuses he has is, you know, you get the, the rust belt old, you know, blue collar factories and stuff. So his real estate is a little cheaper, uh, which makes, you know, the insurance and all that stuff a lot more affordable. Um, plus I think a lot of his ease established that community. So I teach classes out there. Another guy teaches welding classes. We've had bands there and stuff. 
And then also, since we're industrial area, you kind of you fly under the radar of the city a little bit. Yeah. And um, and also the, the city just that they aren't. Cleveland's pretty laid back usually about kind of the arts and stuff like that. Like if nobody's calling and complaining, you're not, you know, creating some massive disturbance or hassle that the police have to deal with. They aren't too worried about yeah. it. I feel like the ones around here were too. Lucky Wheels definitely was flying under the radar until the women's moto show last year when 1,500 people showed up and blocked the streets. And when I started seeing the helicopter circle, I told my daughter, let's get out of here. Daddy doesn't want to spend, spend a night in jail <laughs> while they take his nine-year-old away. But they were real cool about it. But it, that was the point for them where they decided, you know, listen, we have to get permits for this stuff now. And we have food trucks. And now we got to have like, you know, a food handler's card or whatever. You know, there's a whole bunch of crap that you have to have here in California in order to even like blow your nose. You know what I'm saying? So it's just, sure. it just seemed like you guys have it made there where, you know, you can still afford, uh, something fun. You can afford fun where here it's like, you have to fabricate it. Everybody's Instagram stories around here. I could tell you hundred percent all fake. There's a big sound lot that we all go to and they tell us, what do you want to, what do you want it to look like? We'll do this for you. I got a, I got like one dirt track corner set up in the corner. Yeah. 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 Wiggins, Wiggins went out to the quote desert the couple weekends ago. Big, I can tell you big sound lot. They just, it's, we're in LA already. So they're like, listen, we'll just make this for you guys. But no, on a real note, it is getting harder and harder to have a fun just community garage where people are invited to go and um it's kind of got down to the point where people are doing it out of their own going back to the like 90s when i was uh, racing cars and stuff is like you know you're going back into your friend's garage and you're kind of doing it out of their garages now we don't have um you're losing the shop space like that you guys have and and we're losing um specialists that kind of know what they're doing and have been around motorcycles for quite a long time Speaking to that, I want to ask you, you told us all this great stuff that you, you know, Wiggins wasn't here when you were talking about your, you used to race uh, nitro methane Harleys. You know, he took Jay Leno once, he pointed to Leno, revved his motor, Leno looked over and he took off. I, I, you weren't here to hear the story, but it was great. I'm sorry, you're gonna have to listen to the podcast later, but he used to race. I, I have a similar story. This happened a few weeks ago. Oh, I, I was talking about you to Wiggins. I was bragging you up oh. to Wiggins. <laughs> oh, I, I thought you meant like encounters with a celebrity. I was like, I have, I have an absurd celebrity. Story. Yeah, yeah. You, you, uh, you drag raced Leno, remember? <laughs> Dang it! Well, I, uh, I didn't get to drag race anybody, but like I was driving around Cleveland. You know, my wife and I we were out on our bikes, and uh, you know, there's not really a ton of celebrities here in Cleveland. It, it you know, with the exception of LeBron James. What Drew and, Carey? Um, Drew Carey you know, lives there, right? <laughs> Who? Drew Carey. No, I thought he lives out in L.A. I don't think he what? actually lives in oh, Did he say LeBron James or Ron Jeremy? <laughs> LeBron James. I don't know about Ron Jeremy. Yeah, both of them. I don't know where he lives. Yeah, but, yeah, you yeah. Know. Um, he puts the yeah, high so in like, Ohio. <laughs> Sorry. So I get cut off by an Alfa Romero, and, like, I pull up next to him, you know, to give the guy the stare and say something, you know. And it's Geraldo Rivera. <laughs> um, <laughs> Radical. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> People that cut me off in Cleveland, Ohio. I get cut off by Geraldo. He didn't even look at me, you know? Man, that's a name I haven't heard for a long time. That's pretty cool. I wanted to ask you, we didn't really get into this earlier in the show. You kind of started listing off your specialties and, and all the stuff you got into, but but what is your uh, background? Like, where, where does all your knowledge come from, and, and where does your uh, mechanical background come from? Uh, I initially, you know, I took a, um, 
in high school, I went to vocational school and took uh, drafting and machining, you know, like tool and die machining. And then from there, I took uh, went to a trade school after I graduated uh, for industrial machine repair. And uh, most of my career has been in the steel industry, um, the, you know, fixing cranes and machinery and fabrication equipment and stuff. Uh, and I currently work in the aerospace industry now, uh, but it's still a lot of fab work and CNCs. And uh, so basically I fix stuff all the time, whether it's at work or at home. Um, so it, it, it's been, as far as like, you know, applying all the motorcycles, well, it's just machinery. So, you know, it, uh, it, it transferred over to the bikes very easily. Right. Yeah. And I did work at Super Trap and research and development for a little while when I tried to get out of machine repair and then somehow another ended up back in it. So <laughs> that's cool. You know what? I always think like, yeah, Wiggins, he does like weird machine stuff, but then we always meet somebody like you or somebody like, uh, Chris from, uh, Moto Manufacturing who she, she is their like marketing person, but she used to sell tooling that Chris currently is selling right now. She used to be a, a supplier or a vendor or something like that. It, it always comes back to weirdly that Wiggins is, a. Uh, even though you're you're not in the motorcycle industry anymore, wigs, you're still somehow connected to all these people who are. Oh yeah, I mean it, it's crazy <laughs> how this stuff like kind of just goes back around, and and you find out you're all kind of doing the same thing still, you know. Yeah, I can't fire him yet. He's still relevant. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's got to put those helix coils. I barely ride motorcycles anymore. Yeah, so. I know. We're we're going off of his uh, his CNC stuff now, and it's still relevant. We're this is going to be the creative CNC show pretty soon. <laughs> But yeah, no, so it, it does make sense. And and I'm the same way with my kids. My son, actually, my daughter too, um, they love, my son loves Legos, has always loved Legos ever since he was a kid. And when he was about six months old, he would tear stuff apart just to see how his toy worked, you know, um, just to see what was inside of it. And so I've kind of used that to my benefit. Now that they're eight and nine, I always bring them out and say, hey, Let's tear. I have a old. I have a couple engines sitting around, and, and I've always had like something uh, that needed fixed here and there. And I always have them. I, I like to nab that little spark uh, when they have it. That's why it's kind of cool. I think that um, you know the shop itself is is inviting these kids in for the uh, the Moto Go program, and. Or is it the Go Moto? I'm sorry, I don't want to get this wrong. Moto Go, Moto yeah. Go. I thought so. Um, so yeah, I'm excited that that's there because you you need to nab that spark these days and get these kids into stuff um, so that they can grow up to be like us's. We might not be so cool now, though, kid. Oh, you 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 ride motorcycles. My kids hate looking at motorcycles right now, <laughs> but trust me, in five years they're going to be like, man, that's my escape, Dad. Let's <laughs> can I ride your motorcycle? Can we go out to the trails or whatever. But also. Um, to come back 360 or 180, I guess is to come back to go 360 is to turn around and keep going the same direction. Right. So to do a 180 and come back to exactly what you said earlier is getting your, you know, your, your uh, manufacturing and fabrication background is why you're even into motorcycles. So why not flip it back, you know, on itself and kind of head them back in that way if that's where they're going to go. So it's pretty cool. I, I like the, uh, the stuff that they're doing. It's pretty cool that you have skid mark to do this through, but it's also cool that, you know, you're not a an MMI trained um, mechanic trying to do his thing. You're somebody that knows a heck of a lot about all sorts of motorcycles, and you are kind of leading kids down the path that it sounds like you were kind of led down. Do you have anybody in your family that um, rode motorbikes, or that got uh, got my, the bug my into aunt you? Uncle both ride. Okay. Um, 
And uh, that, that probably sparked the interest. But as far as actual like fixing stuff, my dad's a, a huge car guy. Right, okay. Um, so even as a kid, we were fixing cars. And then, you know, we lived in the middle of nowhere. So there was still, you know, tractors and lawn and garden equipment and stuff like that. So there was always something to turn wrenches on and break, you know. Um, and, you know, one of the best things my dad ever did was buy me a piece of crap bicycle from a garage sale, you know. And then you're forced to fix it. You know? Yeah. Oh, Yeah. I have one of those for, that my my daughter and I customized her first bicycle together. And I told her, awesome. it looks crummy now, babe, but trust me, let, you you show me what you want to do and daddy will buy it. And we did it. We put it together and we customized it in the colors that she wanted. And that, I think, is part of why she likes to take stuff apart with me now. Um, so I want to ask you, we're, we're kind of getting, we're going on an hour. It's got to be like midnight. It is over. We're over an hour right now with you on the phone here. Um, you're 14 hours ahead. Is that right? Is that how the time zones work in the U.S.? Is it tomorrow it's for 1038 you? 1038 here. 1038. What time do you need to get up in the morning? Because I feel like we're holding you back. Uh, just keep yakking. I got to get up at like 530. Oh my whatever. God. Okay. Well, we're, we're, we're on an hour. No, we, it's just cool. Keep talking. Okay. Just, okay. A lot of coffee and- <laughs> when you show up to work with bloodshot eyes tomorrow, don't blame me. <laughs> Tell your boss that uh, there was an interesting movie on Netflix. You just had to finish. Um, he rides motorcycles too, so he'll understand. Right. There you go. Um, so I have a couple stupid, funny questions. Uh, you want to, you want to go through these real quick? I've, I've asked a few people these and the, the, I love the answers that we get back. I should, I should cut these all into one show one time. Um, you want to go down this list with me? Go for it. All right. So the very first question is, what's your favorite grip, your left or your right? Oh, I'm going to say the right uh, because it's the throttle. Right. And uh, after a lot of practice, I can also operate the throttle with my left hand. So (laughs) we're going to stay with the right. Okay. All right. I like that. What is your favorite dog breed? This one has become very controversial over over the last few months. My favorite dog breed is the Silky Terrier. I have one sleeping about two feet away from me right now. And we actually have a, a Karaokin Pet Palace carrier. When my wife and I go on trips, I put her on the back seat and then in the carrier, and then she goes with us down the Smoky Mountains or wherever. They make that? Is that in any of the uh, galleries here? Uh, there might be. I'm pretty sure it's on my Instagram. Oh. Uh, Karaokin makes it. Dude. Uh, she's a little 10-pound little rescue she's from an Amish puppy mill. So I got one tooth because the Amish abuser, you know, because the Amish are crap. Wait, no, uh, they, they uh, probably right. let her run free on Rumspringa and she just drank a bunch of soda. That's probably all it is. She just <laughs> lost her teeth. I'm tell, I've seen it before. I've seen it in Amish kids too. <laughs> <laughs> that is possibly plausible. Uh, but yeah, no, we, we, we take her on the, the trips with us. So definitely favorite dog breed, Silky Terrier. And what does that look like if you had to describe it to somebody like me that doesn't even know what a Silky Terrier is? Uh, she's like a big Yorkie. Okay, okay. I think I do know. These are like six pounds. She's 10 pounds. Okay, there you go. Huge difference there. Um, What is your favorite song? This is also very hard and controversial for some people to answer, but you seem like you have all the answers right there on the tip of your tongue. Let's hear it. Favorite song? Uh, We're just going to go right off the top of my head to the favorite band, which would be Clutch. And we will say uh, probably Earth Rocker. That's Hot a good song. damn. What a good band. Um, you know, they used to be all clean shaven dudes and now they're all bearded hillbilly looking guys still rocking the same <laughs> sort of music though. So good. Um, what is your favorite type of sandwich? Cuban. Hmm. And what is your favorite month? Um, probably I'm going to say May cause that's, that's when motorcycling really starts off. <laughs> I mean, it starts really in March, but it might still snow. 
Uh, so May, you, yeah. know, you know, you can go full bore in May. Trust me. Um, over the past few years, we have some friends that drag race up in Wisconsin and I would always be announcing, Oh, they're going to start in May, blah, blah, blah. And then like it snowed till June. So I'm done talking shit about the weather. I, I ruin it for everybody. <laughs> so I'm not even going to mention, I'm just going to shake my head. Yes. And say, okay, that's your favorite month. I'm not going to bless you with good weather because it won't come this year. Um, Dude, it, it gets cold here in Cleveland, but Wisconsin, that's some next level stuff. There. Yeah, Holy I know crap. they've told me that Californians evaporate when they go up there. Um, what is your favorite uh, character from the movie Spaceballs? Ooh. Um, I, I'm going to say, what, what was, uh, oh, Colonel Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yes. Um, what is your favorite type of sweater? Uh, a hoodie? Is that, is that an answer? Sure, that'll answer. I, I usually don't ask people that one because I realized it was so dumb after I wrote it, but I went ahead and went with you. Um, as far as motorcycles go, what which motorcycle through all the generations and all the 115 or 16 years that they've been around on this planet, which motorcycle do you think has had the best graphics? Ooh. Triumph. <laughs> It's what? very subtle and classy. Okay. So just like any year, the Triumph uh, that, um, I forget what they call it, but the one that's just on the side of the tank with the, like, the little screen under it. Yeah. That, that deal. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's a, good, um, it's a very, very timeless look. Right. I, a lot of people start reaching back to the 80s and 90s when like all the neon crazy, like, you know, all the crazies happened in the 80s and 90s. And so, but I think the Triumph, that's a pretty simple one to remember. Um what is your right now? This wasn't, this couldn't have been a thing 10 years ago if I had the show, but now it is. What's your, what do you think is the best motorcycle meme out there? Let's just say this month that you've seen. This month, uh, it's the reminder to not blow the snow and ice into the dry, into the roads because it can make it slippery for motorcyclists. <laughs> and then have a spoof on the grass clipping ones. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. And it is actually snowing right now in uh, many places. So I guess that is true. Um, what's your favorite? It's like 37 degrees here. You're kidding me. I was going to ask you that when I called you earlier and I was like, I'm not even going to. It's 37 here too, just so you know. Oh, okay. Right. Wink. I figured it was. Yeah, it is. It's very cold. It's snowing here too. Um, what's your what's your favorite type of pie? Uh, key lime. Oh wow, a silky terrier and key lime pie. I think I'm getting a fix on your personality type here. I'm gonna give you like a little <laughs> spit out at the end of what. Was <laughs> oh, like a Rorschach test? Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Uh, what's your favorite ocean animal? And remember, manatees and dugongs do live in freshwater, but they also live in the saltwater. Oh. Um, it's called a dugong. Uh, the the manatees with the fish tails are dugongs, and the ones with the round tails are manatees. I'm just gonna say a dugong because that's a cool name. Oh wow! You didn't even know that ocean mammal in uh, five seconds ago, and now you love it. I'm down with this guy. Uh, that's how it is, yeah. Yeah, the dugong. Got to look it up. It's like the cousin to the manatee. Um, who is who? Do you think, in your opinion, is the best actress? Who's your favorite actress? Mm, actress probably uh-huh. uh either Kathy Kathy Bates or uh the the girl from Silence of the Lambs. Oh, Jodie Foster? Jodie Foster. 
Anthony, uh, what's his last name? Anthony. No, the, the girl from Silence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to make a Corey, joke. You know. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. Jodie Foster. Wow, she was actually uh, she was a pretty legit actress from the seventies on. Um, now this one has hurt a lot. Uh, some people have never come back on the show because of this question. So, if you decide to just hang up on me now, I totally understand. Who is your favorite relative? My favorite relative? Well, uh, my aunt, and uncle ride motorcycles. So I'm just going to have to go with my aunt because, right. you know, you have to go with the, you know. Please do me a favor. Don't tell your wife that you're on a podcast tonight and tell her. Oh, she heard half it. So. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> well, don't oh, let her hear this. She would technically be a relative. Yeah, because she's, I, I didn't yeah. think of that. Uh-huh. That's why people have called in later to the show and said, I've, I've ruined their lives. So <laughs> I don't want to hear back next week. Um, last question. Uh, how many pairs of coveralls do you own? Uh, in the... Uh, Three. Okay. That's a pretty good legit. That doesn't sound like an Ohio number, but uh, that sounds like uh, it's still a pretty legit number. Um, uh, like an insulated and non-insulated because Ohio. That sounds like an Ohio answer. There you go. I, I didn't ask you this one, but I'll go ahead. This is the real last question. If you could have picked any name for yourself, um, what would it have been? Anything, you know, if your parents hadn't named you Steve, what would you have named yourself? If they said, go free for 12 years and then <laughs> name yourself, pick your name. I, I don't know, maybe something weird like Leonard. <laughs> That's a good. So he's got a silky terrier. He loves key lime pie. He owns three pairs of overalls and his name is Leonard and he doesn't even like his wife. I think we've discussed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love my wife. She's the best thing ever. But okay. <laughs> but you didn't pick her as your favorite relative. That's weird. And you like dugong. So that says a lot there about that fact that <laughs> you didn't pick your wife. Well, um, I've had a blast having you on the show tonight. We've covered so much stuff and I, I have a feeling that we've only just like chipped off the iceberg because it sounds like you um you like to party up there in ohio and you know all of our friends over at the um at the cleveland moto shop and uh man it just sounds like skidmark is such a cool fun place to hang out too you guys got to get the cars and coffee going i will donate i will call up starbucks and tell them to send you know a hundred bucks worth of coffee your guys way if you decide to have a cars and coffee just let me know just tell them um creative writing said to do it and then um and then i'll beg my wife for a hundred bucks and then uh, (laughs) and then um if people want to reach out and find your uh you know the workshops that you're offering if they want to find you on instagram or the net or anywhere where can we find you uh, well, my website is noblemoto.com. That's K-N-O-B-L-E-M-O-T-O.com. On uh, Facebook at facebook.com forward slash noblemoto. And uh, Instagram at noble, uh, which is K-N-O-B-L-E, noble underscore moto. Yeah. Uh, if you go to my website, it pretty much links to everything. And from there, you can also find you know links to Skidmark, MotoGo, uh, the sponsors like Lowbrow and Supertrap. Right. Um, Right. And you've got a whole, your website has, a, you know, a place not only to reach you at noblemoto at Gmail, but it's also got all your workshops. You can shop, you can look at your press, you got the gallery, the bio, the blog, contact information, oh, yeah. reviews. And, and I write a tech article for Thunder Roads, Ohio, the local little free biker magazine. Oh, so dang. that's linked up. Yeah. So, I mean, there's tons of stuff that you do and it's just cool to talk to somebody that's, uh, you know, doing something for the community, but is also a huge part of what makes it happen. You truly are a creative writer. And, uh, I loved looking at the gallery, all the stuff that's on there. Um, looks pretty fun. Um, 
Is there anything else? Did we did we miss anything here tonight that uh, we should have asked you that you have to tell us that you've never told anybody that you want to get out right now off your shoulders? You uh, did you jump Snake Canyon and didn't tell your wife because you thought she'd be mad at you? Did you? Uh, no, I'd have her film it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Are yeah, you? We're married. She knows how I am. Right, yeah. right. So she knows you love your aunt and uncle more than you love her, and she's cool with it. So that's all that she, matters. She likes them too, you know. So. <laughs> oh, there yeah. you go. Hey, if I have her on the show and she answers the question in the same way, I'll know that your aunt and uncle are some seriously legit people. Um, but yeah, man, it, it's been fun having you on, and I think we're going to cut you loose. We've only had you on the show for a, an hour and 15 minutes, but I have a feeling that it's the way time works in Ohio, that it's like midnight there now. And so, (laughs) (laughs) so we're going to cut you loose, but man, thank you so much for coming on and yakking with us. All right. I'd like to thank this week's guest one more time. Uh, You've been listening to the voice of Steve Noble, Noble Moto, uh, teach DIY motorcycle repair classes in Cleveland, Ohio, Uh, partner with Skidmark Garage, teach all my classes out of there. Uh, everything from one-on-one maintenance courses to uh, customization courses, engine building, transmission repair, suspension brakes, electrical, carburetor cleaning, tuning, um, and any other aspect of your motorcycle that needs repair. I'd even do one-on-one classes and uh, group classes. We had a blast rapping with Steve for a little over an hour now. And uh, Steve, we hope everything is just toasty up there for you right now in Ohio. And thanks to everybody in Ohio. We'll give you guys, uh, all of our friends there, from Sarah at the Serpent's Bones to Phil at Cleveland Moto. We'll give everybody a little shout-out in this week's Instagram post. Uh, Check it out when the show releases this Friday. All right. Let's get back to our closeout with Steve. Yeah, if you have, yeah, check out YouTube. Uh, Please subscribe to my YouTube channel so I can eventually get paid for it. Um, (laughs) Good luck with that, sucker. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, just, you know, hit me up if you have questions or whatever, and, uh, you know, you want to take class or you just want to learn more or, yeah, I don't know, or it's always just general, you know, poking each other that goes on online. Yeah. yeah. Is there, are you going to ride anymore this year or is it done? Uh, I mean, there's always going to be some freak day, but for the most part, we're done. Yeah, man, that's crazy. Cause we, we still got like our new year's ride to do and stuff here that I have to drag Wiggins out on. When it'll eventually get down to 40 degrees and every Californian will complain that it's freezing when it's literally not even <laughs> 32 degrees Fahrenheit yet. But, when um, it gets up to 40 degrees, like in February, you'll see motorcycles right. everywhere. But it's, <laughs> it's spring! Yeah, Woo! I know. It, we're so polar opposites. Well, if you get a chance and you get a swing out here, hit us up and let us know you're Absolutely. on the West Coast and um, we'll take you to the ocean. We'll take you, actually, this is a fun thing we could do. I asked my kids, should we do this last weekend? Um, we were we were in the snow, and then in literally two hours you can be at the beach. So you can do sand to snow to sand again. So um, yeah, if you come out here and you want to want to experience Cleveland and um, SoCal in the same day, we can do that. So we'll, fantastic. Yeah. Anyways, it's been fun yakking with you, and um, man, we're gonna hit you up again. Well, I'll hit you up in May and <laughs> see. Yeah, we'll see how many people are are coming in and. And uh, I'm serious about this cars and coffee thing. Get it started and um, let us know what's going on. And and, uh, I'd love to support it because it just sounds like you have so many people there with so many different kinds of bikes and so much learning to do that I'd I'd love to be a part of that. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, love to have you part of it. All righty. And tell Skidmark that their, um, you know, their business model 
solid for Cleveland, not so solid for California. <laughs> and uh, with that, we're we're out of here. And it was good talking to you, Steve. We'll we'll uh, catch you on the flip side. All right. Good good talking to you too. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye. All right, everybody, stick around while we pay some bills. We'll be back in two and two with more Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. For over 125 and a half years, no pickle has been more trusted by motorcycle champions everywhere than Clobman Pickles. You want to win your race? Put a Clobman Pickle in your face. Clobman's guaranteed. Clobman's in your mouth and a championship trophy on your shelf. Clobman's the only pickle for motorcyclists. Got a secret you need to hide? Oh my gosh, Dad, does Mom know you have a new motorcycle? I'm so gonna go tell her. Try Brainwipe. Brainwipe is a specially formulated powder you slip into someone's drink and they will never remember a thing. No longer will you have your nagging wife asking you to spend more time with her on the weekends instead of out riding with the boys. Ladies, no more oopsie, I forgot to buy groceries this week because I bought bike parts instead. And definitely no more of this bullshit. Mom, I'm gonna tell Dad you got a new motorcycle if you don't let me ride it. That's right, get Brainwipe at your local grocer. Brainwipe, solving life's motorcycle problems one at a time. And now, Brainwipe for kids. Brainwipe! Who said that? Mmm, what's that smell? They're at it again. The folks at RP Enterprises solving two world problems with one great solution. You got a hankering for some of Grandma's hush puppies? Sure you do. They're delicious. You love them. Well, how about solving world hunger and the pet overpopulation problem with one easy, simple, tasty solution? Fist Puppies from RP Enterprises. Never have to listen to a Sarah McLaughlin song again about it. Fist Puppies available only at Hetty's. On 4th Street. All right. Well, you guys heard it. Wiggins looking at birthday cakes. Me just doing what I do best, talking out of the side of my eardrum. And now we are alone in the studio staring at each other blankly. Wiggins, what do you... Oh, my God. Thank you. Wiggins just handed me a stone IPA. You know, I haven't had a stone in, in a hot second. Are you drinking the same thing? Or you got I haven't been stoned in a long time either. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the beer. Yeah, I, we, I brought two of those. <laughs> I eat stones every day. What oh, are that the, too. Now, they said my stomach. I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. What are those stones called that birds eat that helps them digest stuff? Not only birds oh, do it, but fuck, like... I don't know, but I think shit. I've heard of that. Oh, man. I'm going to fucking feel like an idiot now. There's an actual word for those. But um, anyways, uh, let's talk about this week's word of the week. I want to do it. Oh. Yeah. Should I pull one out? Yeah, pull one out. Like one predominantly on top. I feel like you probably didn't mix them very well. I so didn't. So you you go ahead and pull them out. Get in there. And I'm Let's see what it is. I'll, wi- what it says. I'll wipe it off my checklist. It says Facebook. Oh, shit. Let me get my sound effect thing and ding the bell because <laughs> as soon as we say Facebook, guess what's happening? Uh, do you want me to pull out a punishment thing? Not yet because okay. we, we have to wait till we say it. That's how the new rules um, go. <sighs> Eat dog food.
If I say the word of the week, which is Facebook, I haven't dinged the bill yet. If I start to say it at the end of the show. Access denied. Mm, really? I thought I would be granted because I said the word of the week. If I say if I start to say it, Wigs, please stop me because I don't want to eat dog food or um well I'll tell you what happened in a minute. So here the word Facebook is official, right? Now. So if either of us says it. But I never gotta say it. Oh no. Go ahead, say it real quick. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Um so yeah, man. It's good to have uh you back in studio. I guess I could Skype Jay now. Jay had to sit out tonight's interview because um Ash's uh, Duke is going to the shop for something, and I gotta tell you, that thing has been in the shop how many times, dude? Listen, since since Duke. you brought it out of the shop, <laughs> Duke, listen, I I think someone said I don't think I'd get a single to commute that far every day. But <laughs> what well, the fuck do I know, right? This is the funny thing: is that uh, I rode with those girls uh, a couple weekends ago, and I know. By the way, Jay took that tire home that you brought over. Yeah, doesn't even need it. Ashley was so mad. Um, Ashley luckily didn't slap me, but she might have slapped Jay when they got home. Tell her I don't want it back. No, and nor do I. And I was like, eh, it's yours, girl. I thought she was going to wear it like a hula hoop, though. That was like my ultimate uh, dream and wish is that I was going to see her just like slide that thing around her waist and get on her bike and go. But nope. Like the true road warrior that she is, she has a strap for everything and she had tire straps to hold it down to the back of the banana. Um, but anyway, she took it. And when those girls, we went out to, uh, you know, we we're going to ride over to IMS and look at some of the bikes and all that stuff. And I rode with them to go get some lunch. And I, I've seen why they've been in so many crashes. They're aggro. Like maybe I ride like a grandpa. I don't know. I haven't, I couldn't figure it out, but I felt really um, inadequate riding with the. Uh, with those two, they are just, they're maniacs. And, um, so I was like, wow, dude. So, but once we got on the freeway to here and I knew where I was going, you know, I know a lot of people are until they've been in a couple accidents. <laughs> once you've been in that many, it's probably not a good idea. I've been in one accident and it le- legitimately wasn't my fault. The guy, uh, I'm going to claim, I always claim responsibility for it though, because there could have, there's probably something I didn't do that I could have done. However, man, they're like, they're doing 80 everywhere, like on the surface streets, even blasting. Well, like if you can't see around oh, a van and you try to turn left in front of it, and <laughs> there's a car there. That's Hashtag probably not the car's fault. Yeah. But her friend did that, right? Wink, yeah. Wink, wink, wink. I, I don't know what their, her legal status with that is. So we'll just say one that. One thing her I'm buddy. good at is like if someone wants to split faster, they can split as fast yeah. as they want. Like I'll catch up later. Yeah. I did make them wait at a stoplight for me because I was not going to blow the red to keep up with them. <laughs> Um, but I did blow the second red to keep up with them as they then slammed on their brakes and turned into a parking lot. But I was like, yeah, I backed it into the driveway of the place where we ate lunch because I had to, they turned, they like turned in and I was like, they gunned it through traffic. So I gunned it. And right when I gunned it, they turned and I was like, man, why don't you guys just like follow this, um, Nissan stanza (laughs) slowly if your turn was coming up in 30 feet, like I don't have to be in front of everybody, but, um, but anyway, it was fun riding with them. We had a, we had a good lunch and it was fun watching Jay put that, um, tire on the, her bike. I was sad that she didn't ride it like a hula hoop. Uh, if you want to go see that, you can go to her page and check that out. Oh yeah. You thought I was going to say this week's word of the week. 
I'm not. You're so tricky. <sighs> yeah, and corny. By the way, I'm sorry for saying hot dog so much on episode 198. I apologize. Um, I saw, I went on our, uh, I just checked out the reviews today and I was like, oh boy, somebody didn't like that I said hot dog so much. I was actually doing a sound check to get my levels up to the correct level. Next time, I will just do that off air. Also, uh, thanks to the feedback from somebody on Instagram, I will no longer be putting fast-forwarded, uh, sped-up sections in there that make us sound like chipmunks. Unless it's for like a, a, a bit that we're doing. So I'm just going to chill more. My goal for 2020 is don't be, don't do retarded dad jokes on the air. But you can say retarded because um, I am retarded. So there you go. Anyways, Wigs, I have some bad news. And it's not motorcycle-related. Um... It's car related. The good news is I have two good newses that happened to me. One of them was I went up to uh, Azusa Canyon this weekend and boy was the snow amazing. I saw that. Dude, it was like three feet deep up there. Did you drive the Scion up there? No, there was people I rode and there was, I did go back the next day with the kids. There was people riding up there too. There was a hella grip of sport bikes. Remember that um, parking lot that we parked in um, where the road closed off? Yeah. Uh, that literally was covered in snow and you couldn't really tell where to park because everything was covered in snow. But that, the, uh, the cafe up there, I thought it would be empty because it was snowing. So I didn't really think anybody would be, uh, headed up that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what, um, I, you know, I really didn't expect people to be up there, but it turns out that everybody <laughs> went up there. And so it was like going to Big Bear where the roads are backed up. And so I got up there. There was like no spots at the cafe. So I went back down to that parking lot and there was like one or two spots. So, um, was the little cafe full? Yeah. Yeah. Like it was, you couldn't even park there. Like they weren't even letting people park there. Well, Crazy. all the parking was taken up there. So but is the, uh, you know how you can drive back into the campground? Is the at campground the, closed? No, to four wheel drive vehicles, it was open. All right. I didn't have a four wheel drive vehicle. And on my motorcycle, I didn't want to go back there. I just, I, on my motorcycle, I just cruised up and cruised back. When I took the kids back the next day is when I really wanted to park up there. And I was expecting there to be no people. When I went up the first time, it really wasn't it was snowy and I guess I just went at the right time when, cause I guess the next day everybody heard there was snow and went up, you know? Yeah. I think the first day I went up, it kind of was a surprise that it was snowing cause there was like nobody there. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to take the kids up for hot chocolate. And I came back, took them up the next day and man, everybody and their mom was up there. Um, have you ever gone to the, the river there? Uh, you know, there's I've like, gone to the lake, not the river. Yeah. There's the, the lakes up there. And then, before you even get up to Crystal Lake, there's a part where you can pull off and there's like a the river that um, gets fed down into the canyon. The reservoir hmm. uh, is is pretty fun to like go to during the summer when it's all hot. I took my kids there during the summer and that place is usually packed where you can't find parking. Um, and all that had shifted up to the top of the mountain uh, when I took them back on Sunday. Uh, but it was fun as hell, dude. And the next time I go up, I really want to off-road the SCR since it's kind of got knobblies on it. But at the same time, I mentioned this in my little Facebook or my, oh shit. Um, anyway, I mentioned this in my Instagram story. <laughs> Did I just say the word of the week? I don't know. <sighs> Give me a deed. Pull a deed out of the can. Motherfucker. God damn it. I'm going to get way down in there because I know you Fuck. thought of the bad ones first. Fucker. Well. God damn it. 
I mean, it's your game. Oh, wow. At least five times during the show, say, I'm the worst motorcyclist on earth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, let's count them. Uh, everyone. You have to have like a story behind it. Like you have I'm to like. I'm the worst motorcyclist on earth. I um, ran a red light when I was going with Jay and Ashley and I skidded into a parking lot and I probably cut people off and I really suck. I am the worst motorcyclist on the face of the earth. I think I even ran over a baby. Not kidding, Wiggins. <laughs> um, anyway, so now that I've said it, God dang it. Anyway, I put it on my Instagram story how deep the snow was. There's yucca plants up there is what I was going to say before I ruin, ruin myself by becoming the world's worst motorcyclist. I swear to God, you guys, I can't, this whole show is a lie. I can't even ride a motorcycle. Uh, Spamla, Wiggins is so nice. He hasn't outed me yet. Spamla <laughs> it has a plastic motor and she's a push scooter. Um, I wouldn't know what to do with the clutch lever if you told me what. I don't even know what a clutch lever is. I just said it because I heard it on uh, OC Choppers one time. I am the world's worst motorcyclist. But if I was a good motorcyclist, I would love to go up to uh, up to Azusa and cruise the snow. But I wouldn't like to run through one of those ruts. You know how there's those culverts that we... Remember the abandoned? When we wanted to go to the lake turn off that one time? Well, that was all snowed in. So you oh, couldn't yeah. even you couldn't even I go bet. there and cars were parked in the little five feet of driveway before the gate anyway. But that whole thing was just like four feet of snow. It was so crazy how deep it was. And I couldn't even tell you where the road is going through there because it's spaced through the trees just nicely so that when it when there's snow there, all the trees look the same. So I wouldn't know where the road went. But there's also weird culverts and fallen trees and all sorts of shit buried under the snow. And so I was like, man, I could go cruising through there and then just like go over the handlebars onto an actual yucca bush and <laughs> just like have it stabbed through me, um, which would probably happen because I am the world's worst motorcyclist. One time I fell off a motorcycle going one mile an hour and broke my tib fib on both legs. Um, and... I don't even know how that happened because I don't even have legs because I am the world's worst motorcyclist. I can't even motorcycle. I'm the world's worst motorcyclist. <sighs> God, it feels so good to get that off my chest. I have two more to go though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. So after that was done, the bad news, Wigs, that's the good news actually. The good news is that it's snowing up there and it looks like a lot of fun. And I think we might have a fun ride if um, for New Year's if the two isn't still closed. I know uh, last year we went on the New Year's ride and it was a fun little gallivant up there. Trusty Rusty blew uh, Spamela out of the water. I was so surprised that that thing... I wasn't really, I shouldn't be surprised. Dirt, it's not like dirt tires are like made of plastic or anything. So those things were gripping and hugging and you were ripping uh, trusty through there. Um, but it was, it was cold, but it wasn't like terribly cold. I did have to put on my gauntlet gloves, but this year if there's snow like there was at Azusa at 3000 feet, man, uh, it's going to be really cold going up to the top uh, this year. And hopefully the mudslides haven't hit. Cause after we went last year, all that rain hit and closed the roads off. Um, yeah. So I don't know if they've opened them. They're kind of so lack lackadaisical about the two since like it's not a fancy rich neighborhood up there. Like if it was Malibu, they would have that shit like rebuilt like every three months, but it's not. And I guess there's not any rich celebs paying taxes to get it fixed either. So I shouldn't complain. I just hope it's open by the time we go up there. The bad news is today, my wife, today is, uh, we record on Tuesdays, just so you guys know, transparency behind the scenes and all that stuff. Um, 
my wife pulls out to go to work today and she's like, dude, is that like poop where your car was parked yesterday? And I was like, oh yeah, there's like a bunch of little droppings. And then so she leaves to go to work and I pop open my hood and guess what I find in there? Squirrel. Fucking rat. Oh no. Yeah, a rat has been sleeping on my warm intake manifold at night and eating nuts and pooping and peeing all over my battery. And leaving little white gray rat hairs. And I thought it, I was praying that it was a squirrel, but the poops are definitely rat, not squirrel. So I have did you, a f- did you taste them to find that uh, out? Well, I tasted the p- puddle of pee. You know, nowadays cars have these plastic covers over most of the engine so that you yeah, really don't yeah. see all that stuff. And they have these really deep bolt holes. So all of its pee, when I lifted the hood, it legitimately smelled like a hamster cage. And I've never, you know, this is stuff that I hear about on Cleveland Moto all the time. And like sometimes the um, Oregon podcast will talk about it, like where a squirrel got up into their air cleaner and, you know, chewed it out and made a hole, made a nest and I've never had that happen here in California, but this is the first time and uh, a first time for everything, I guess. And there was nuts, nutshells and nuts all over my fucking battery and the biggest turds. You would think like a kid went in there and poop. Wait a minute. My son's been leaving every morning. Wait a minute. (laughs) No, I put my dog up in, in my engine bay and she... (laughs) <laughs> it was funny. She literally stepped all, you know, was walking all around, sniffing it, like freaking out. And then I put her on the ground and she caught the scent trail immediately. And she runs from my car over to our air conditioning unit. And sure as shit, I looked behind it and there's a little tunnel dug underneath it where she couldn't get back behind. And I was like, oh, damn, girl. Like there must have been like an invisible scent trail on the ground that just like leads from that hole to my car engine. And since I park super close to that thing all the time, that little fucker, he's probably out there right now. We should go out. We should use a field initiative knife and show him the, sh- the sharp side of it. Yeah. So, but then we got to eat him. I know. I don't know if you want to eat rat. Listen, now. I've eaten, <laughs> I've eaten some serious things being from Arkansas. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> Stewed so, possum. Uh, well, I'm not going to say no. You, you, you name some animals and I will, uh, I won't say no. <laughs> If you uh, hit, if you if you hit one that I haven't eaten, I'll say yes, I haven't eaten that. But um, but yeah, at, at any rate, we uh, I have a rat. So I flip open my wife's hood today. I went to pick up the kids at her school, and I flip open her hood, and there's a little tiny turd and a couple hairs on her beautiful, pristine, brand new 2017 engine or 20 whatever her car is, 2016. And so it's gone up there once to eat something too. So I was like, oh my god. There was only like one turd on hers. On mine, it looks like um, the bathrooms at uh, um, Echo Park. I was trying to think of a very popular park here in LA. Yeah, it looks like the bathrooms at Dodger Stadium. Um, everybody just peeing all over the floor and shitting everywhere. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so that uh, is something I have to work on this week. Also today, I worked a little bit on Spamila, who is over here staring Wiggins lovingly. She's actually looking over his, his shoulder right now at the monitor. I should take a picture of this for Instagram. It totally looks like she's looking you over your shoulder. You should take it for that other one. Yeah, for the other one. You mean the one where I have to post once a week? What a terrible, idiotic motorcyclist I am. Listen, Wiggs, I'm sorry I invited you over to my house when all the bikes I own are only 125s and 
Not that that makes me a terrible motorcyclist, but the fact that I've crashed every single one because I don't know how to balance is. I never told you about the fact that I had my inner ears removed when I was 13 years old. And Hey, also, uh, I got a small displacement bike. Don't let me ride it because I'm the world's worst. Well, that's true. I'm not saying that. <laughs> oh, not thanks. saying I'd let you ride it, but oh, we always say how all I have is big bikes and all you have are little bikes. Well, listen, is it a Harley small displacement bike, which means 975? <laughs> <laughs> or is it a true small displacement bike? Uh, it's a true small displacement bike. I got a. Oh, dang. Uh, it's 100 or 110? Dang. 100. Oh, wait. A, wait, who makes a 100? Kawasaki? No, I only. I only ride one color dirt bike. Okay, and it's got to be a CRF one hundred. Yeah, XR one hundred or CR. Oh, is it an XR one hundred? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I'm not real sure what year it is when they changed the name of it, but yeah, same bike. Yeah, it's got. If it's a early, it's a it's XR. I used to have XR two fifty, which was probably slower than your XR one hundred. Nah, yeah, this one is, or I think it started as a one hundred. I think it's got a little big bore kit on it, and it needs tuned, and it was free. CRF. Did they make a 100? Did they do a 110? They, I think they did a 110. No, they did an XR100. I don't know if they did an XR110. Let's, let's see XR100. So I'm looking at CRF. Uh, XR100. Wow, I'm excited. Oh, yeah, XR100R. Yeah. Seat height, 74 inches. Wiggins, you have to climb up this thing? Oh, is it like this? Uh, I think it's newer than that. 99? Yeah, that's 21 years old now. <sighs> It's old enough to drink. Do you pour gasoline into its mouth? Because if you're 21, you can do that. I'm not going to. Yeah, it's like a 05 or something. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if they called them XRs it's then. It's kind of beat up. It looks like this. Does it have a disc brake in front? No, it's a drum. Like, yeah, like holy cow. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But yep. it's got the shrouds like that, I think, not the like... Like the older one, like that 2000 in the photo has like, see how the tank is the shroud? Where are we looking at? Down down uh, and left and down. This and right. one? No, the one you were on. Uh, this one? That one. Yep. Yeah. The white's like mid 90s. Yeah. So that's like 2000 there. And then, so it's a newer than that. And I say shrouds, they're not radiator shrouds on those technically, but they look better. Yeah. The tank actually, uh, I think the tank went down that far. And now, nowadays, like you have like the little yeah. shrouds. That's cool, man. Are you going to do, uh, who did you get it from, or where did you get it from? Um, Mark and Jasper gave it to me. Nice. And was it payment for flat tracking? Uh, yeah, and I was. I'm giving Mark a rear wheel that I have for something, and I just said he could have it. And then he was like, "You need a mini bike," and I was like, "Yeah, you do." I mean, they're cool. <laughs> and he's like, "I have one. I'll give you." And I was like, "No, I'll buy it." And then he told me two hundred bucks. And then he called me back, and he's like, "We decided we just want you to have it." Oh, that's cool. It is. It's super cool and awesome but i'm like mark I'm trying to support your racing not have you give me free bikes yeah but but it doesn't know. hurt yeah dude I've, I've never met a motorcycle i didn't want to ride even even junky ones hashtag spam um yeah dude this is almost exactly what my first motorcycle looked like it didn't have turn signals and everything but i did find it in a ditch <laughs> maybe it did at one point but yeah uh those things are so much fun i still i wish i still had this dude i, I wish i still had uh my old xr and um yeah it probably it literally was probably slower uh than the newer 100s you know what's funny last week when you are two three weeks ago now god dang it, i don't even know how many weeks ago now but um when you said uh 
something about 450s having like 50 horsepower. And I was like, are you kidding me? Um, I looked up the racing ones, the racing 450s, like that they do in Supercross. Do you know how many horsepowers those things have? Oh, they're probably, I thought 65. Yeah, they're like 70 horsepowers. Yeah. Dude, 70 horsepowers. Yeah, it actually, it got to the point where a lot of the pros weren't even touching the motors because they Set, made so much yeah, horsepower. Yeah, I don't think they are. I think yeah. they put maybe pipes on them. Yeah. 70 horsepowers. I always hear Daniel Blair from, um, he does commentary for Monster Energy and he has his own podcast too. I think if it's still called Main Event Moto, he was always talking about how the 250s having like 40 horsepowers or 50 horsepowers, that's as much as a freaking Harley Davidson 883. That can, like my old 250 probably had like 15 or 20 horsepower and that could kill you. You know what I'm saying? Like I see people ride stock dirt bikes off stuff all the time with a whiskey throttle. It'll catch you out, especially two strokes. You know, they still do make two stroke enduro and m- motocross stuff. Yeah. And a lot of the new two stroke is uh like direct injection. <laughs> yeah. I can't badass. believe that the four fifties have 70 horsepower, 70 horsepower. I could look up right now on the, on the, uh, uh, government website for, for carb and tell you, cause you had to file how many horsepowers your bike has when you file a VIN for it. And I can tell you a lot of bikes that you think have like 80, 90, hundred horsepower don't have that much horsepower. They have like 40, 50, 60, yeah. 70 horsepower. And to find out I mean, that, think about it too. Like a Mazda Miata makes like 120. <laughs> I know. That's why I was like, a, a lot of cars like make if you're lucky 200 like the car i'm looking at makes 185 182 actually yeah do you remember when like all cars only made 176 because it was it was kind of like the motorcycle gentleman's agreement that like you wouldn't oh, do it yeah, over yeah. that they didn't actually make that but that's what they claimed like they every made. yeah why is every single car that was uh, wasn't that japanese car yes for a while? yes yeah. it was it was uh like the all the imports well and were, a lot of stuff will tell you it makes less horsepower than it does well or a lot of them were limited to that and then you take it down to the thing and have your yeah, ECU flashed. And, yeah, yeah, and all of a sudden really, it's got like 200 and it's, it's instantly like 200 horsepower more. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I was bad. I was, I understand now why he's always complaining about the sport killing people and injuring people. And it never, you know, before it would take like Danny Chandler. Do you remember him? Like, um, I mean, there have been, don't get me wrong. There have been some massive crashes in, in, um, motocross throughout the decades, but no, I feel like more and more and more at the supercross and arena cross stuff, you're seeing like these massive ones. And it's because these bikes can do like quads now. And before you used to not be able to jump a quad, you know, you weren't flying 70 feet in the air by, you know, 150 feet in distance, you know what I'm saying? You weren't, uh, Seth Enslow and Evil Knievel were special because they jumped 360 feet. Now every dude on a friggin', <laughs> they weren't jumping that much. They were jumping six school buses, but now every kid in a friggin', uh, Geico arena cross can jump that. So it's like, it kind of puts it into perspective to how much power these things have and why, uh, kids are getting jacked up. Well, and it's hard cause you've got the lights class with the two fifties, right? And they're pretty fucking fast. They'll put, yeah. And it's like, we're getting to the point where, what do you do about it? Do you make them smaller? Do you say, okay, now you have to run a 350. Like a 175 is lights and a 350 is is the big bikes. Um, 
I mean, is that the right way to go? And, and you know, when remember when MotoGP went to 800s and the bikes got faster? <laughs> yeah. So there's always like that question too. Um, well, and the 500s were just as fast as some of the thousands, but the thing was is that the power came on differently. The power. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like everything, it, it, like the CCs, like you're saying, like it kind of doesn't matter. It's it's where the power is and well, like how much power these little things make. What a lot of people don't realize too about motorcycles, more than cars, the size of the motor is really not that relevant. There's nope. so much more to it. Yeah. You know, a CRF 450 makes way more horsepower and way more torque than an XR 600. Yeah. I don't know about way more torque, but probably. Listen, a because CRF 450. It's a totally different built motor. Yeah. A CRF 450 makes way more torque and horsepower now after I'm looking it up than an SCR 950. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, to almost twice it's the same. And what you're doing there is like you're comparing the thing with a lot of motorcycles is you can walk into a dealership and you can buy a bike that is literally Oops. not far off from a full-blown race bike. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, there's a lot of guys going sport bike racing that aren't touching motors because it's like, spend your money somewhere else. Yeah. Have, I mean, have you seen the new, I mean, it's not even going to be out yet, but the um, basically the new Fireblade says um, the, the track performance that you're not likely to ever experience until you buy this bike. And it's basically, they're saying... Um, it's it's track ready and it's basically homologated yeah. as it is for uh, Moto America and like World Superbike or whatever. Well, they just like I said, a lot of the pro motocrossers aren't touching motors. Some of them are detuning them. You know, some guys will do. They used to do four seventies to practice on. That's how I ended up with a four seventy kit on mine. Was like the the company that was making it. My buddy worked for when they closed. But um, so yeah, I mean, you have like. You have that, but you also got a lot of guys like not touching the motors, keeping them pretty reliable, and they're just as fast. Because it kind of goes back to like some of the basic stuff with Hooligan is if you're not getting traction, it doesn't matter how much horsepower you make. <laughs> and I think that's why so, they limit them at 70 is because those knoblies will hook up at, uh, at 70. Are they limiting them at 70 horse or is that just all they're getting out well, of Well, I'm right just now? saying even the, even the guys that I've heard – um, but a 450 single making 70 horse. Dude, that's nuts. That's nuts. Well, the thing is, is even, even the bikes that are making 110 horsepowers on the flat tracks, speaking of Danny Magoo, Chandler, even the bikes that are making, um, well, the, well over that, the tires can only take 70 horsepower according to the pros that they interviewed on, um, the AFT circuit about like the tire tech. Well, I mean, you know? if you, if this puts it in perspective, the bikes that are making 110 horse, have not won a race in four years. It's they bikes. literally haven't won a race since they've been on the circuit. But the bikes that are making 94 horse have won almost every single race yeah. since they've been released also four years ago. It's like the um, you, your tire can only take 70 horsepower according to the tire people. And well, so, and there's a lot more to it. Like we've talked about the big bang. We've talked about firing. Right. We've talked about that. Well, there's definitely that stuff. And tire technology is getting better. Suspension is getting better. Like scoot your butt back, it. changes stuff too. Like there's a lot of that no, to it. Right. The, the 110 comes in when the tire slip stops. You, right. It definitely helps. And you there, even yeah. on a mile, you would think the 110 horse motors would be killing it on a mile and they're just not doing it. 
you know, even the 92, 94 horsepower bikes are, are smoking them on miles. Right. So, hey, I wanted to show you real quick the 2020 YZF250F. Look how much these fucking dirt bikes are. Uh, dirt was, bikes have went up a lot. This is why people aren't touching these. Um, well, here's part of the thing, too. Do you know what determines the price for everything you buy? Market uh, demand. Demand, supply and demand, right? Was, gonna say what the market will bear but yeah it's the market and because dirt bikes got so popular that you can do that that crf 450l is like 11 grand but people want yeah, a street legal dirt bike I know. so people are paying it yeah and, and it that's definitely part of it too because you look at like the fz09 the fz09 was less than that or What's, was, what was is that? the fz09 i'm the worst well now it's the mto motorcyclist but, i don't uh, <laughs> know anything about the, the three-cylinder yamaha What's a uh, Yamaha? Now I'm the, the worst motorcyclist in the world. Wiggins, I have to get this off my chest because it's the last time I have to say it. And Are you sure you've said it enough? Yeah, this I, is my favorite. I want time. everyone to understand. I'm going to say it one more time then for you in a little bit. <laughs> okay. But the new, the, the Yamahas. And what's the 450 cost? Uh, I don't think, I think it's like they're the same. The thing is. is it might it, not be that much different. The 250 is like the um, class where you have to start to get in. So it's like, let's make the fee to entry. But yeah, but a lot of people buy 450s. No, it's another fucking Grand, grand. It's another twelve hundred bucks. So here's the deal on the Yamahas now. Oh, see how see how he's jumping out of a cell phone on their app here. If you go to Yamaha America North America's website, you'll see the dude. You can link everything up to your fucking phone. a dude. The Tune app. So the Yamaha app lets you map remap your thing now per, to the track. And yeah. then not only that, you can send it to your buddies. Be like, hey man, like I I tuned my bike to this track and I found a mapping that works. And you can totally custom slide it and all that stuff, just like a mixer for audio or a equalizer for your stereo, if you know what that is. Anyway, um you can do that now with, with these with these maps. So that's why this god dang uh, ten thousand bucks for a four fifty eight eighty seven was it for a two fifty? But you don't have to do what yeah. you said. You, you can go to the track and race that now. And so they, well, and the the thing with the two fifty and four fifty is the wheels are the same, the forks are the same, the the swing arms the same, the mainframes almost the same. You know, so it's that's kind of nice. You know, the motor size wise isn't that much bigger. I also like it's really cool how Yamaha turned the cylinder around so they could point the exhaust out the back. Yeah. Which is fine. It gets you some but ram air. They weren't getting the exhaust length they needed. So now the exhaust header wraps all the way around the engine. Yeah. They used to do a loop under the seat, and I guess that wasn't good enough. Yeah, either. you see that? That looks pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's giving your engine a hug. But no, they um yeah, it, it it's interesting. Uh when I when I listen to your thing and I was like, man, I'm going to get him on this week's one. I don't know why I thought I was so smart because when I had listened to Daniel Blair, he was probably citing when he raced versus now when he was talking about that 30 yeah. horsepower difference. 30 horsepower, that's a whole fucking bike in between there. And the four strokes are really torquey and a lot, they're a lot easier to ride at the same time. And they're a yeah. lot easier for, in a way for amateurs to ride fast. They are. The two strokes would hurt you quick. They are. The um, two stroke you used to have to learn to keep it in a power band. So when you're jumping. Especially you, the old ones. The, as they got newer, they got better. Yeah. Well, the direct injection ones don't stall as much, which always sucked to stall, especially like on trail well, riding on a hill. If you rode a 125 two stroke, you pretty well pinned it and rode everything with the clutch. <laughs> right, that's true. So, And now the recluse, actually clutch technology has gotten a lot better because the recluses are helping people uh, eat shit and not 
cut the bike off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But the, I, I read this one guy's thing in Cycle News. And does that one even have a Kickstarter on it? I don't. I think they're all e-starts now, man. Yeah, hundred percent. No yeah. kick at all. It's like why when you're when you're out there on the track, why you're? I seen actually They've, a couple of years they, ago. Got the with you know I don't know if they're brushless motors, but I know with electric motor technology they got the motor light enough, and I know for a fact that I don't know what kind of battery these come with, but I know Speed Cell worked on this project on making them 100 electric. Yeah, and he was like, my batteries are small enough and light enough, and they're getting the starter light enough. Yeah, that it's not even worth having a kicker on it. And some of them are like integrated into the motor now, where it's not like a separate piece that takes up a whole so you know everything yeah. on the on the front weighing it down. They be, they become so integrated. And you know, with the um, I don't know how Yamaha's works compared to the Honda, but they all have the automatic compression releases now. Uh-huh. Too. That's true, right? It's right? just uh, it's just like a weight. And then when you spin it differently with a kick compared to it turning itself over, it's a compression release. Yeah, and I I've so seen that in the parts. They're easy things. to turn over. They don't need a lot of. Some of them are even electronically actuated now, where it like it, it could pulls be, a solenoid up. My bike was a 03. Uh huh. Yeah, and it um it had like a weight, and when you would kick it, it would flip the weight out, and that was a compression yeah. release somehow. A lot of these e start ones, when you press the button, a, a solenoid. An yeah, it right. It could be. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of the Harleys, when they do a lot of compression, they'll put little compression releases in the <laughs> yep, heads. Yep, those ones have them too, right? The the big boys nowadays do for sure. I can't even scroll back up because there we go. Um, but definitely things have changed, and I was reading this review of this guy that used to race back in the eighties and nineties on a two stroke, and he's like, you know, back on a two stroke, I used to have to jump blip the throttle in the air so I could downshift because when you land, I would have to brake and shift or something like that, know where I was going to be because I had to shift into the proper gear to rail it through the berm and be able to hit the jump with enough engine speed and torque because two strokes also aren't the torquiest, which is where the four stroke technology really comes in. Yeah, He's like, I had to, I had to learn 12 steps to do a turn. We're on a four stroke. Nowadays, you're like, hey, point it, gas it here. Break here and gas here. And he's like, it's basically cut down to like three steps for a four stroke where the torque comes in, the torque is there, everything's electronic. If you have a recluse, you know, sometimes you don't even have to worry about shifting um, half the time or at least stalling it, you know, or getting out of the uh, the power band. And also with the Yamaha, they're the only one right now I know that has it. I haven't looked for about six months, so it could be that all the 2020s are already out for motocross. They've been out for like six months. Um, so it could be that this year somebody else has it too, but Yamaha is the only one I know of right now that has like this mapping thing where you can tune it to the track, save it to your phone. You get there, you tap a button, just like, uh, popping open your favorite track on whatever music app you use. You pop open your favorite map at whatever track you're at. And then you pop open your favorite music app because your helmet probably has speakers in it. But dude, like all this stuff is so crazy and changing. Um, it was fun talking tonight to Steve at Noble Moto and the guys uh, at Skidmark there working on all these old bikes. And it's going to be so funny um, in about 10 or 15 years when all this new stuff starts coming in. And you're, you really are just replacing uh, a controller or a solenoid or some sort of like chip here and there it's still cool to hack that stuff and maybe maybe that's what the next generation of tuners will be as hackers um when i used to work at a body shop all the dudes were older than me they all had their uh power glide or t5 whatever trannies and they all had their uh what the fuck was that um the motors you're you're gonna know this too there was like the uh 
the different factories that made the different motos for like the Camaros and crap. Um, Oh, I don't know. I know like for four, there was like the Cleveland and the Windsor. Yeah. For the GM, it was like the SoCo motor or something like that. And the, and the Bloco and this, and the Mojo motor. But at any rate, they, all these dudes would like laugh about, Oh, you guys and your Honda Civics, like, what do you do? Like, uh, change the, you know, the paint job on it, blah, 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 all this stuff. But it turns out that learning how to map and tune and do fuel maps, as we've seen with Nitrous Chris do on his bike, is a whole new science. And it's tuning, it's the same amount of tuning a carb. It's just doing it uh, virtually. So, I mean, not to make, I was making fun of virtual shit earlier. And now I, I take my words back because I am the stupidest, dumbest motorcyclist in the world. I don't even know what we're talking about. I should be in uh, talking about my Ertl models because that's what I do all day. I don't even know what motorcycles are. Um, am I good? Is that good? I'm the worst motorcyclist in the world. Is that good? That might be okay. Okay. Um, but at any rate, like this tuning, this virtual thing and this virtual tuning is really going to be what people are doing. Uh, oh, and, and I've seen how people hack Raspberry Pis and Arduinos and do all sorts of cool stuff that I wouldn't even have imagined possible with these stupid little tiny um, chipboards, basically. You know, like, hey, it's a circuit board. What can you do with that? And then all of a sudden, they're like programming um, the World Trade Center to shut down or something like that. It's like, wow, you crashed Wall Street um, with your little thing that comes in a stuffed animal. So it is really cool to see all this stuff happening. And I'm kind of excited for uh, where this stuff's going to be in the next 10 years. And I'm, and I'm guessing that, um, you know, I wouldn't have learned carbs and stuff if it hadn't have been for those old hot rod guys. And I wouldn't have learned about like how cams and crankshafts work if it was all just digital. But at the same time, that stuff still has to move and work in a combustion motor. So there's still going to be the dudes out there that are fabbing and cranking on uh, the hard parts, but, but the electronic tuning is going to be like a whole new thing where hackers and not hackers, but, um, people that hack the, you know, hack the, um, traits of it, you know, and, and people that do all sorts of like flashy ECUs, even our buddies at steady, like some of the stuff they do is, is yeah, he does a, he gets into a lot of that stuff too. Yeah. The electronics is half the battle nowadays, but it's yeah. kind of cool though to see, you know, and honestly too, a lot of that, as we get closer and closer and have more and more electric vehicles, that's part of it too. Like these people are able to like tune their electric stuff for more horsepower yeah. and changes. Um, sim- something similar to that too. I wanted to talk about really quick. We're, we're coming up on two hours, but to, to kind of end on that Wiggins a few weeks ago now was calling out Cleveland Moto's video for being BS. Um, and I would have to say that. Did you watch it? No, I mean, I, I did watch it a long time ago, but I, I recently watched another guy take an Energica out for a test ride, um, and he loved it. This guy rides a, a S1000RR. I think he road races it. I think he's an actual road racer. And the dude that he went riding with is a Moto America racer, um, and he works at a dealership, and I guess most Moto America guys do work in some sort of motorcycle job um, to pay the bills while before in between races. But he, this guy, they sell Energica, so he's like, "Dude, I'm you know I love riding it. We don't have the Moto E Cup here. Um, it's like a global thing now." But he's like, "But this thing is fun to ride, and uh, you know, being a Moto America racer, I've tested it out, and it's pretty fun." So the dude rode to his, um, you know, let the other guy swap his S1000RR and he loved it. Instant torque, you know, that's the thing with electrics and and tuning and all that great stuff that's going to come with that whole futuristic thing is that we're going to be tuning for 
all different sorts of stuff. Um, and it's all going to be virtual because you're not going to get in there and like modify your uh, <laughs> stator or whatever. I want to modify my, my flux capacitor. Um, I don't even know what is on electric motorcycles. But um, but the thing was is that the power to weight ratio, those things are 600-ish pounds, um, 640 or 630 some odd pounds where the S1000RR was barely over like 400. So when you do the power to weight ratio, that thing did not match up. And when they, during the instant torques, yeah, it was fast. It was really fast. But once they got up to the top end, that's where the actual, there was a H2 that they were racing with, that they were riding with and the S1000RR. And that's where those things live is in the top end. And we're always talking about the torque of the electric motors. That's kind of where they live is like in that bottom end. They're still really fast, but, um, you do have to sacrifice something for something at some point. And they're sacrificing the top speed for all that goddamn battery weight. So I did a quick calculation and the power to weight ratio is really what matters on an electric bike. And so that zero SRF, there's no way it's faster than um, a Ninja H2 for sure if the uh, Energico isn't. Yeah. So Wiggs had to go take a leak real quick, but I, I think it bears repeating that the, um, you know, the, the power to weight ratio and just the, the eventual horsepower um, because when you're looking at a torque curve and you're factoring horsepower at a certain RPM and you're saying, well, electrics have this like nonstop torque curve until it quits, until it finally hits its peak, it all it looks different. On paper, it might look one way, but in, re- in real life, it does look different. And for sure, that Energica was slower. It was even slower than an old um, BMW M5 or M3 that like caught up to him. It was some weird like schnitzer tuned. Um, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> What's that company that tunes Mercedes? It's uh, not Schnitzer. What is it? It's AMG. Let me turn you back up. I'm sorry. It's AMG, but it's got, it's got like a name like Schnitzer or something. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I know there's like Brabus or Brabius or something too. No, I can't remember. But yeah, it's not the Schnitz. It's not the um, <laughs> Braunschweiger tuned. But uh, but yeah, like some some sort of car passed him and he couldn't catch up to it even in the top end of those but then again you're moving 600 and something horsepower so i think at some point the power to weight ratio plays in uh with electric bikes and all that you know when you're trying to factor in the the torque and cool factor you also gotta add like yeah it's torquey but it's moving as much weight as a freaking harley davidson <laughs> so that's why harley davidson's don't race against sport bikes um well or well, do they i know yeah. a few guys that yeah. do you know um and with that man we're we're at two hours wigs is there anything you want to say have you um let's you got a, you no. got a new bike and i'm super excited about it let's uh, take it to uh azusa canyon or let's take it up rincon trail i don't know if i can't really take it on the street no well yeah we'll have to drive it i don't know there. it'll probably outrun spamla though for sure uh for today it will i pulled you know what i did today you want to hear something crazy that is spamla today what'd you do to spamla? pulled today? the valve stem out of there got my my motion pro tire spoons out and popped that front tire off the bead all the way around and then squeezed like a mofo and tried to rotate that tire it's been bugging me that i don't have the um valve stem lined up with the mark on the tire and I actually was able to scooch that tire around the rim today using sheer horsepower. I probably gave myself a hernia. I'm capable of generating forces that my own body can't withstand because <laughs> I'm the worst motorcyclist in the world. But uh, but yeah, I'm sure that that one time 
<laughs> I'm not ashamed to say it. But you know, Spamla is a secret project. She has about, I'd say she has about 100 horsepower for every CC. Or no, well, yeah, no, one horsepower for every CC. 100 horsepower. You don't have, have 250,000 horsepower, Spamla. Shut up. She's got about one horsepower for every CC, though. So I don't know. Maybe it could, maybe it couldn't. But we should take it up Rincon Trail and try it. Wigs, with that, what... Why don't you pull out next week's word of the week and tell me what it? No, just kidding. <laughs> and say it real quick. So, okay. Yeah, no, that'd be ne- fine because it's not next week, so I can say it all I want. Oh, this week. come on! Well, when Jay comes back on, I can't believe you let the word slip. God damn! What an idiot! I'm the worst motorcyclist in the world, and I'll be the first to say that seven times in a show. <laughs> and with that, we are out. If you. Wiggins, can you believe we're getting out of here this early? It's we're still ten minutes later than I said we'd be, but that's true. It's, it, it is hard to believe. It's yeah. kind of nice though. Yeah, let's do it. Um, check Wiggins out at uh, Field Initiative Knives on Instagrizzle. I have been using mine like crazy, and I'm gonna have to ask you, uh, wedding stone or file to to get this thing sharp again. Uh, I can sharpen it. Hell yeah, that's how Wiggins rolls. Oh, like what thunder. The fuck was that? Sorry, I it was giving. Sounded you- like I don't know why it sounded like something hitting the roof of the garage. <laughs> that was the rat eating my battery. My car just exploded out in the driveway. Um, yeah, no, I. Uh, you can check out Jay. She actually showed me some of her stuff that she's been working on, um, and this crazy new printer they got. It looks bitchin'. Yes, there was also some of those in that bedroom I won't talk about. But um, no, they, they're doing some really cool stuff. So check out the Flying Banana and her FBI project. Uh, I think you can hit her up on um, uh, Big Cartel too at the Flying Banana. But Wigs, I got to tell you, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was yeah, yeah. I was balancing your knife the other day and I found the balance point. And I was like, oh, wow, this thing's like balanced near to the center. Is and that I, good? Yeah. No, I know that's good. And I, I took it. I don't know if I plan it that way. No, I don't think you did. I think this is just the perfect uh, length and the perfect amount of paracord on this thing to balance it out. Just perfect. So I took a few steps back and threw it and it went in and I was like, wow. And then I wanted to aim a little further. So I paced it off, held the handle and threw it and it stuck, dude, perfectly both times. I actually did about four or five times. Don't tell my boss that because I did it on my lunch break. But um, at any rate, like I was super impressed. Like, holy crap, this thing is better than the actual throwing knives that I have. A, because it's a little heavier and it would actually like go into something if it hit it rather than just like cut it. And B, uh, the fact that those are throwing knives and they don't even stick as good and get the penetration that that thing did, I was uh, highly impressed. I think it, since it's heavier, it kind of carries its weight better through the air where those things are lighter and they get influenced by different things. So Yeah, and I know I need to figure out how to throw knives better. Man, there's there's yeah. kind of a science to it. but Make yourself a field initiative knife and you might have one or two laying around the garage. Come on over and we'll practice. That's how we're going to pick next year's Does it have to be a winners. throwing knife or can I just... Dude, your one that I you made me isn't a throwing knife, but it turns out it really is. So I killed a few guys this week. Oh, but uh, with that, we better we better end the show. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys next week. Um, we probably could do some Instagram shout outs. We might. Uh, would you have anything off the top of your head that you'd like to shout out real quick? Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, how about a shout out to Capital Barbershop and uh, Church of Choppers in the latest issue of Dice Magazine? Actually. Oh, man. They got with Jeff Wright at Church of Choppers and kind of like let him do the whole thing. And he got with uh, our buddies AJ down in San Diego, Capital Barbershop, who came out to the SoCal Hooligans camp out. 
And um, they did like a rad street enduro section in the in the magazine because they all ride like street legal enduros, and uh, they ride around the streets like BMX hooligans only street enduro hooligans. And, <laughs> That's uh, awesome. And uh, it's a pretty fucking cool little thing. So if you're into choppers or sport bikes or uh, enduros, uh, pick up the latest issue of Dice Magazine. It's a good one. Nice. To read dice if you can read i know some of our listeners can't read um i'd like to say thanks to uh steve at noble moto you can check them out at noble moto k-n-o-b-l-e underscore moto on instagram and he mentioned that he's doing all of his classes at a skidmark garage which is just skidmark garage as you think that would be spelled and if you spell mark with a c like mark marquez i'm gonna punch you in the face right now um and also he mentioned um moto go cleveland which does their classes there at skidmark and that's M-O-T-O-G-O Cleveland. I don't know how to spell Cleveland, so you're on your own with that one. But anyway, check those guys out. Thanks, uh, Steve. Thanks, Wigs, for coming over and bringing me a beer, man. You didn't have to do that. All I brought you was that rat outside. <laughs> We're going to go barbecue him right now. And with that, do you have any cool, sweet sign-offs you want to tell anybody? No. Nope. 